Today is April 14th. With the NFL Draft less than two weeks away, we're reaching the final days of the pre-draft portion of the offseason, where we have to make guesses about where our favorite rookies will land. Will Izzy Abanacanda continue his meteoric rise of draft boards and end up as a day two pick? Will an NFL team commit top five draft capital to physical freaks like Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, even though they might be bad at throwing the football? And yes, we are contractually obligated to once again talk about Odell Beckham Jr. Let's go. This is ADP Chasing. Pat Fryer Helmo. <laughs> This is why I'm hot. Anita Hanjob. Fix your sight. Jamar. Alpha play chase. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you pony? You can't handle the heat. He looks like we're finally at this point. You're right. <laughs> Pat Davis, how are we how are we doing today? Doing good. Doing great, man. Yeah, I just, uh, I just, you know, have been doing some research into day three uh, running backs and uh, realized they, they're pretty much all, I, I've, I've been negotiating against myself, really, is what's <laughs> happening. Davis, Davis came to the hor- horrible conclusion that the trade you just made for two of those backs. They're so dead. Like, Damian Pierce as the running back 19. I honestly think he is a coin flip to get, like, 100 carries this year after looking at what happened to some of these guys. It's it's really not good. It is interesting, though, because it's, like, a reason to keep taking those guys, you know, as they come right. into the league. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, you got to move. Yeah, <laughs> it's a hot product. You got to sell it while it's hot. Well, some feedback I got was sort of interesting, and I actually think this fits in really well with – ADP chasing and the idea of especially the exercises we're doing right now, thinking about these rookies is that NFL teams have just started to change so much how they think about running backs that what eight years ago would have been a second round running back. I mean, a round four, round five guy. I mean, teams are just not spending draft capital on these guys. So maybe a round four, maybe we treat a round four running back the way we would have used to have treated a round two running back and a round two running back should be treated how we used to think of round one running backs and so on and so forth. I think that part's probably true. Although yeah, it is interesting so that we had Travis Etienne and Najee Harris go in the first round just a couple years ago. And we're going to have B. John Robinson go in the first round this year. And we might have Jameer Gibb might. I mean, it's probably like sub 10%, but it's, you know, people don't think it's insane that he could go first round. So I think that's true, but maybe like not a as little true exaggerated. As yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think the other really interesting thing, Davis, that you pointed out is like the the undrafted running backs. There's actually been a bigger track record of success of those guys. Like, like five Foster. of them. Yeah. Um, like some huge hits from the undrafted guys. And and someone was making the point that it was sort of like a, a base rate issue is maybe why that's the case. Well, there's I, only I, there was only in the last since 2010. So in the last 12 years, there's only been 13 undrafted free agent running backs who got a hundred PPR points or more in year one. But like five of those guys posted multiple running back to a running back one seasons, which hmm. is sort of, I mean, but it's like, it's like, so, I mean, then you look into it and you're like, okay, well, how did this happen? And it's like, okay, Austin Eckler, he went to a really small school, but then landed in a perfect spot. LeGarrette Blunt probably would have been a second round pick, but he punched his own teammate in the face after his bowl game. Oh, God, so teams yeah. were like, we don't want that guy. Like it just like, once you looked into it, you're like, well, this sort of makes sense. But then 
I, I expanded the search to round three just to see what it would happen. And it was like all hits, all guys. It was like Alvin Kamara, David Johnson, David Montgomery. It was like all guys who did well as rookies and all guys who got a second contract. It was like, it was like sort of nuts. Yeah, huh. that's interesting. Yeah, I have Ramondre, think, right? This yeah. won't happen to Ramondre Stevenson, though, right? I think it's already I think it's already happening, right? James Robinson, eight million dollars of incentives. They draft Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris. And yeah. I would say they're probably a favorite to spend. I don't know. I mean, I'm gonna guess, I don't even know the answer to this. I'm gonna guess the Patriots have 14 picks in this year's draft, just based off how they normally do things. And one of those picks will be, you know. Doesn't Roshan Johnson just feel like a Patriot? Oh, no. Like, oh, <laughs> like, no. Does, like, like, doesn't Roshan Johnson just feel like a Patriot? Yes. Or or, <laughs> or maybe they go the other way, and it's one of these ground-only guys, so it's like Deuce McBride or someone like that because they love to segment those guys into roles. Yeah, I yeah. can see that too. Or I could see them taking Bijan. I mean, that's that's one of the Bijan disaster scenarios. I, I want to see the uh, the the six Belichick defenders try to uh, try to twist that one around and say that's a smart uh, pick by Belichick when they take Bijan in the first round. That's going to be uh, been a tough couple of years mental, for the Belichick defenders. <laughs> mental <laughs> gymnastics on that take are Fr- going to be Friday, really impressive. Friday, April fourteenth, twenty twenty three. The Atlanta Falcons are taking Bijan Robinson at nine eight whichever one it is they're taking him just everyone prepare to get yeah. everyone prepare to get mad for the desmond ritter uh kyle pitts drake london Bijan robinson offense not being as explosive and as productive as you want it to be the Bijan robinson part of that might be pretty fun he turned derrick I mean, henry into a fantasy superstar well, I think speaking speaking for- speaking of uh year one running backs who absolutely smash and then get uh you know shuttled into oblivion tyler algier I, I can't imagine. I mean, if you could get the now, is there of- is there a reason why you're smiling from ear to ear right now, David? <laughs> I mean, I I noted I notedly don't necessarily love running backs who converted from linebackers. That's that's not something I'm into. Karain, pretty. You're more into wide receivers who converted from cornerback. That's your that's that's your- actually that's literally that is my fetish. Yeah, is guys who basically <laughs> the team looks at them and they're like, "You're so athletic. We got to find a way to get you the ball," but you have no natural innate ability to play this position so you you like mccall hardman sort of plays wide receiver like an alien who's never played football before and and just is like yeah just go run around <laughs> like that's sort of that's sort of his bit yeah tyler algier was tackling the running back so hard they were like you are running back now it, you know he's he's got that dog cool well um we'll get into all these players uh throughout the show i think actually maybe algier shows up as a as a follower so we can chat through that but uh, yeah, just for what we're going to do on today's show, we're going to do another sort of super flex uh, strategy debate. I think um, we're still on different sides. It's the same of, debate. It's the same, it's the same debate, the but same I think debate. I ha- I have the point I was trying to make last show. I, I think I do have some new uh, data and, and new angles uh, to look at it. So we'll flesh that out. And then, yeah, as we always do, we'll get into the risers and fallers. So yeah, let's kick things off getting right into the Superflex debate. I'll, I'll again, I'll, I'll lay out like a little bit of my argument and my rationale. And then, you know, obviously you guys jump in um, as we go through it. But the analysis that I wanted to do, um, the first first part, we showed this yesterday. Um, this is just sort of like looking at the average weekly scores by the different positional tiers. And this just, you know, I won't go through this one too much, but this helps just get you to what the replacement level thresholds are for the different positions. So essentially for 
running backs and wide receivers, their replacement level threshold is hitting the flex, which on average, that sort of the replacement level score there is around nine and a half points. Whereas for quarterbacks, um, their replacement level is a little bit higher. Um, the average score in the super flex is more like uh, closer to 12 points. So um, their threshold for having a spike week obviously has to clear a, a slightly higher bar than running back or wide receiver. But compared to one quarterback leagues, this discrepancy is a lot closer. Uh, in, in one quarterback leagues, the replacement level score for quarterbacks is closer to 20 points. So, you know, once you switch from one quarterback to super flex, um, the potential for quarterback spike weeks uh, are actually a lot higher just because that replacement level score is a lot lower. Um, so this this flows through to this next chart here. If you just count up the average number of spike weeks over replacement across the different positions, and I define these a couple of different ways, you know, 10 points above replacement, 17 and a half above replacement, and 25 above replacement. You see that um, quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers are pretty close in just terms of the number of them per week that are giving you a spike week uh, above replacement. And, and it, it's sort of true, no matter sort of which one of these tiers we're talking about. For instance, if you look at the, the major spike week tier here, this is what this data is essentially saying that on an average week, there'll be two quarterbacks that give you, uh, you know, a, a major spike, you know, basically above 30 points. There'll be also two running backs and wide receivers that'll give you a major spike, you know, above 27 points. Um, and, and tight ends um, do do slightly or kind of significantly worse there. So that's just like looking at total spike weeks. But this is actually not entirely fair to the quarterback position, because if you consider, you know, your average under draft underdog draft, there's only going to be like 45 ish quarterbacks taken. But there's going to be 70 running backs taken, 90 wide receivers taken. So if you adjust that for the number of like players that are actually taken at these positions, all of a sudden you see that wide receiver or sorry, quarterbacks have a better chance of delivering a spike week than running back and wide receivers across all the point thresholds. And this is true. If you, I checked in, in like sort of filtering out guys that would likely be undrafted in a given year. And it doesn't really change the story a lot. And in fact, it actually just hurts like running backs and wide receivers more than quarterbacks. So essentially like the argument here is that like there's, there's, quarterback scarcity there's only like 45 quarterbacks out there that are going to deliver you spike weeks compared to like you know 70 running backs 90 wide receivers whatever it might be so even though there's sort of equal number of spike weeks at the position once you adjust for the fact that there's way fewer quarterbacks each individual quarterback bet um you know sort of in a vacuum gives you a much higher chance of getting a spike week than at running back or wide receiver um, and then the, the final piece I'll lay out here and sorry for, for ranting this long, but I then looked at, you know, how predictive are these spike weeks across positions, um, at quarterback versus running back versus wide receiver. And what we see is that just the top 24 quarterbacks by positional ADP just make up a massive share of the spike weeks. Like no matter how you look at it, like sort of one way to sort of think about it, um, is, you know, the top 24 quarterbacks essentially make up 90% of the spike weeks um, at the position. Uh, whereas the top 24 running backs are only making up like 60 to 70% of the spike weeks. The top 24 wide receivers are only really making up like 50 to 60 ish percent of the spike weeks, depending on how you look at it. So 
the top 24 quarterbacks, like if you're not getting a couple of those guys, it's an extremely, extremely thin bet to get spike weeks at the position. Like look at the major spikes tier, you know, quarterback threes and above over the past nine years, only like 10% of the spike weeks are coming from, you know, those sort of later round quarterbacks. So I, I just strongly think that it's a much easier parlay to hit to get a couple of the top 24 quarterbacks. And then it's much easier to get spike weeks at running back and wide receiver later than it is to do the opposite approach. And I'm not saying you should take quarterbacks with like each of your first three picks. I still think, you know, rounds two and three, I'm totally fine with taking stabs on really elite skill position players. I'm just saying like three of your sort of first six round picks and super flex. That's sort of how it works out um, in this format. I think like, I, I really strongly feel that if you're not taking three quarterbacks there, you're just you're sacrificing a ton of upside and also sacrificing a lot of sort of advance rate stuff in the regular season, um, just based on sort of the distributions of how scoring works. So that that's my argument, um, Pat. I'll, I'll give you a chance first. I think you you also <clears throat> potentially had some charts you you wanted to show here, but um, what are your thoughts yeah, on this I, argument? I, yeah, I wanted to. Uh, you can share my screen. I brought up my. Yeah. This is a one quarterback article that I had last year. Um, so this just showed percentage of half point PPR spike weeks at the quarterback position by round. Um, this was back when we hadn't lost our minds. So there was only quarterbacks being drafted rounds three through five, not not round two. Um, <laughs> but you're seeing that, OK, we're getting most of our spike weeks actually from round six through nine. Um, but most of the quarterbacks uh, are not drafted in rounds three through five. Only 9% of the quarterbacks are drafted in rounds three through five. They're producing 21.4% of the spike weeks even still. So combining those two numbers to look at, okay, accounted for how many quarterbacks being drafted in each round, where are we getting the tournament winning power? Where are we getting these, these huge spike weeks that we need? And it's rounds three through five that's actually generating over half of them. And if you look around six through nine, now we're up to 89% of the tournament winning power at the quarterback position is coming from these really early quarterbacks. Now, I kind of wish I had done this rounds three through six. You know, if I did redid this, I might do a three through six because that's where we tend to get. I did that. I, the reason I did three through five and uh, six through nine is because I was consistent across all the positions that way. But we know at quarterback, generally, there's been like Jalen Hurts was kind of a sixth round. There's usually like that six through seven round pocket. But when I look at your analysis, what what jumps out to me is like, you know, I'd love to know how many of those really amazing QB1 spike weeks are coming from the top five to six quarterbacks who are off the board in every single draft with the top five to six picks, because I have no issue taking one of those guys. I, I would never pass on one of those guys. You know, I'm not taking Justin Jefferson over Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen. Um, I've taken, yeah, Joe Burrow. I'll take Joe Burrow ahead of him. Um so, you know, with that, I'm like, uh, sure, you know, if we're going to we're going to pass on one of those quarterbacks who not only gives us a ton of stability at this uh, position where we're starting two guys, but also gives us historically really strong chances at hitting those spike weeks. I'm in. I have a harder time when it comes around and it's now Cooper Cup versus Kirk Cousins because it's like. I don't actually Kirk Cousins has typically been more in this bucket, this around 10 to 13 bucket where his spike week chances aren't that great. And Cooper Cup spike week chances are off the charts. You know, now if you're looking at the two, three turn 
and I've got the chance to take like a Bijan Robinson or Jonathan Taylor, or sorry, I mean the one, two turn. Now we're coming back around. Maybe we're in the two Oh three range. Bijan's still sitting there. I've got other wide receivers, you know, that are going to be there. I've got some really strong bets at the skill position players. And I think those bets are much, much stronger for spike weeks than the quarterbacks in those ranges. I don't have a problem if like you want to go in like round four and five around five and six and grab two more quarterbacks and build your three quarterback structure that way. I think that's totally fine. I've tended to do more grab one of those guys and then push it and kind of like at running back be like, look, I'm going to not all these teams are going to work out, but what can I find later in the draft that you can, I'm done sharing. If you want to pull this up, I, there's nothing. Okay. Um, but what can I find later in the draft that you can't find? Because what I can do at quarterback is I can hit a home run, right? I can get it if Jacoby Brissett's a starter for eighty percent of the season. That's my that's my entire argument is that I've I think all this you. I think all this base rate data is fine, but I don't give a shit about hitting a bunch of doubles. I don't care yeah. about having a twenty seven percent advance rate. If I it get feels like a cash game Jacob, strategy but, to me, but you guys are Jacoby, acting like you can't make that. You can make that same argument at wide receiver, but like the odds no, you of can. getting spike we go wide receiver are higher. Like that's no, you can't. You yeah, can't. You can't. You're, you're talking you're, about a single spike week. I'm talking about having my 220 point score that you yeah. got in the last round. You get, you get. Where, where's Geno Smith going in these like last quarterbacks year? Quarterbacks that were drafted, like you know, quarterback 36. But okay, that, that's fair. But that's it's but one, if you that's get, one though, right? No, like, but it's one. But if you get the think about this, there's only 32 teams. Like it's not like we're out there like hunting. Like oh god, like there's 32 teams. We're looking at. It's well, okay, not- I, and I think it would be different too if if we were doing this in August and we had more certainty about who the starting quarterbacks would be. I, I would. No, I, I would want less you- certainty. I want less certainty. Yeah, the way the drafts we're doing right now, this is actually perfect to be hitting all this uncertainty. We don't but even know. I, we don't know what team Levis is going to be on. We don't know how healthy Brock dude, Levis, is going to be. Levis is going to start games at the end of the season. He's he's going to be yeah. a top ten NFL pick, and he's going like the ninth round. I, I like I, I like Levis, and I and I I'm not saying that like I'm never taking these later quarterbacks, but like you guys are saying basically like y- you can do something that historically has like extremely low odds of no, success. No, 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 no. Like no, that's ide- not what I'm identifying, saying. identifying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm what, saying what I'm saying? gonna I'm gonna say. Well, one is I'm saying there's a potential that I can do that, and then you're 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 fucked. But there's also a potential that I am beating beating you silly at the other positions. I have one quarterback who's helping me fill spike week. So I'm not falling behind. And what I'm doing at the quarterback two position is I'm treading water because look, this isn't a race to score the most points at quarterback. This is a race to put the up the most points overall. I don't need to have the best quarterbacks to have the best team. If my team is crushing at the other positions. So I've got this incredible firepower at wide receiver and running back, I can I can make up enough points there through huge spike weeks at those positions that other drafters don't have access to. And then, yeah, like I can backfill with a Mac Jones or a Will Levis coming into the back of the year. I can layer that room with some guys who I think might start a little early and some guys like Will Levis, who yeah. I think will be starting by the end of the season. I can put it together like a zero running back type of room where I'm like, not all of these guys are great bets. Taylor Heineke is for free at the end of drafts. Could Taylor Heineke be starting at the end of the year? Yes. And I'm like, his, dude, what's Taylor Heineke's upside if he's starting at the end of the year? He helps me fill the super I mean, flex position. The, the, I, the, I, 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 I just, I want, I just like, need to stick with you enough 
so that my Cooper Cup is able to smash your like, yeah, great. You sure, had a good sure, week from Justin Herbert. Taylor Heineke could score 18 Cup. points, 18 yeah. points in week yeah. 17 or 18 so, fantasy points per game for three weeks. And that is dominating the team that took Jalen Hurts in the yes, first round. But yes. dominating. Also, like, if Taylor Heineke is your quarterback too, and I have, you know, Patrick Mahomes um matt stafford and cj stroud like one of those guys I, is sitting sitting on your bench is what yeah but you, you have to win you have to win like th- basically four consecutive turns you think like this would be equivalent to the argument that you should just draft one quarterback in one quarterback leagues and just like pray that that guy hits your starting lineup all three weeks i'm not saying tournament. to draft joe burrow and taylor heineke and call it a day yeah i'm saying I, i'm taking a bunch of i'm taking like so the chart, one of the charts you showed early on is that we should be drafting about four quarterbacks. Yeah, that I don't. That's have an what. Issue that's with. what Crane. So Crane and I, I think, are are aligned. We're saying one really good quarterback, one guy yeah. who you think could be better than like twenty three points per game, and then you yeah. take Baker, Brissett, Mike White, Sam Darnold. To, I mean, Gardner look, go Minshew. down the go, Guys, go but, down the but, list. Like, look at this. Look at this data. Like, you can say, like, I I get today. It makes sense that like. You know, we, we think we can identify like which one of those guys are going to be starting week 16. And sure, you take three You're of them. You're not looking at the opportunity you, cost with you, this you, data, though, Sam. Like, I'm not, tr- and also, like, we're not saying. Dude, if you just draft Mike White, you're going to get some six spike weeks at the quarterback. You're, you're going to draft. Not you're going to draft seventy dead teams out of one hundred and fifty doing it this way. But I think you have a much better chance. Yeah, of hitting see, I don't want to draft that many. Team. I don't, yeah, I, I'm skeptical. But also, like, okay, a well, I'm going to draft like, a bunch of dead teams anyways. Uh, sort of my. I, 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 I'm skeptical. Like, but it's with, April with with, <laughs> with like Leone's stuff about like the importance of having live players. I think just like you know and the importance of advance rate that's that it's implication on your finals advance rate like having good advance rates helps a lot with your finals advance rate so i'd say that first to let me like establish where i think like we agree more than we disagree pat i'm with you that like if i take one of the elite quarterbacks in the first round i agree that you know cooper cup versus daniel jones i want cup like tyree kill versus Dak Prescott or whatever. I, I want Tyreek Hill. That that's second and third round, even like third round, Tony Pollard versus Jared Goff. I want Tony Pollard. I, I think the mistake is once you get to that like fourth, fifth, sixth round, if you're taking like Jerry Judy over CJ Stroud, or you're taking Mike Williams over um, you know, Bryce Young. I think that's a massive mistake because hey, I'm gonna be taking CJ Stroud and I, Bryce Young. I think Young I, I think I agree with you on this. Yeah, I'm gonna I be think, hammering. Think, you want one of those guys. Yeah. I think you want one of no, those guys. No, I think you want sure. both because I'm I'm gonna be taking those guys. And then when you when other people are taking, you know, Baker Mayfield at pick hundred, I'm taking Brandon Cooks and Rashad Bateman. When you're taking you're, like you're you're lo- you're losing if you're not getting Baker. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. I'm just Baker, saying like th- those are two like two of the quarter the quarterbacks that you're taking at picks like 100 to 150. Sure, like some of them will hit, but like there's still plenty of wide receivers and running backs in that range that are like, because they're all pushed back by the quarterbacks, like you're getting Bateman, Brandon cooks, you know, Zach Charbonnet, um, Joe Mixon, you know, whatever, James Connor, you're getting like really good bets to contribute at the running back and wide receiver position. Whereas like the quarterbacks that you're taking there are just such high odds. Like, you know, believe this data or, or don't, but like the quarterbacks you're taking at like QB 30 by ADP are like such high odds to be zeros. Whereas like the running well, backs. Here's, here's what I, 
this is so you're looking at 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 quarterback ADP that is not super flex though, right? I mean, yeah, but would would it matter positionally? So, yeah, I think it does matter because what you see in the quarterback ADP in the super flex drafts is that Kenny Pickett goes ahead of Anthony Richardson and Trey Lance. Maybe not Richardson anymore, but he goes ahead of Trey Lance in these drafts. Yeah, the Why guys who go more ahead of safety are going because he has trade, more safety. The yeah, Trey right? Lance capitulation sure. is has as it's finalized. People are people are. <laughs> but here, but this this is the format to draft Trey Lance. Yeah, this oh, is yeah. actually where you should Hundo, be drafting Hundo, Trey Hundo Lance. Yeah. And, I'm drafting Trey Lance. And look, I mean, when you take C.J. Stroud there, and you're like, look. I got CJ Stroud. Like, good luck finding your quarterback production late. What have you actually gotten in CJ Stroud? Because none of us think that CJ Stroud is going to do a ton on a points per game basis. Yeah, he'll be You've like eight. he'll safety. be like he'll be Taylor Heineke. He'll be Taylor Heineke. You got, you got safety. What do I get when I get Mac Jones? I get the exact same guy who's probably actually a better bet on a point per game basis if he's starting. So I've taken on more risk, but I actually have the better points per game bet if he hits. So I have the same with. Ryan Tannehill. So I'm actually is a better bet than CJ Stroud. If Stroud is a, if Stroud is game. if Stroud is a Texan, why? why? Yeah, What's, absolutely. I mean, the he's I a mean, pocket passer. I get, a rookie pocket passer but on Mac a bad Jones team. Is like a third year pocket passer on a bad team that doesn't show. He's him. a third year pocket passer versus a rookie right, pocket that's, passer. That's, that's, that's a, it's that's really, a, I mean, comparing Stroud's athleticism to Mac Jones is also I don't think yeah, it's but Stroud is. You've got outs. You've got outs to Stroud running. You know, Mac has absolutely no rushing yeah. outs. You yeah. could see you could see Stroud doing what did Burrow have last year? Four hundred rushing yards and five rushing touchdowns, something like that. Yeah, he, he could, could be do a that. Tannehill, maybe. But sure. but is it worth the extra? Ri- so let, let me look at Mac Jones' ADP. His his ADP is what is it? Like ninety ninety five right now. Is it worth all that extra risk for the difference between? jerry judy and let's see a wide receiver going in that range like chris godwin or george pick like you're taking on all that extra risk and what are you winning like i don't even know straight up if godwin like marquise brown you know george pickens are they really worse bets than jerry judy well like, stop saying jerry Williams? judy who i've like not taken at all yeah give us a name we like yeah but, dude, please like, give us the, another option like Jerry Judy, DJ Moore, Keenan Allen, you know, Christian Watson. Like, I, I just think yeah. that tier of wide receiver. It seems like I do have more upside if I'm getting some some Christian Watson in my life. Yeah. But I, I'm just saying, that, like, I, I think you're like the different. Is there really that big of a difference between that tier of wide receivers and the tier of wide? Like, man, Chris Godwin, Marquise Brown, George Pickens, Mike Evans. Hey, man, if you're, if you're telling Chris Godwin and not Baker Mayfield, you got you got some stuff to figure out, okay? <laughs> I'm just saying, I think the tier, I think like the QB scarcity, like the drop off, like it fall. You you can't like once the quarterback. I, I just on, I'm making the point that the scarcity that you're talking about is safety scarcity. It's not upside scarcity, and that's where I'd say like you you should probably redo this analysis with the quarterback ones, or at least I would really like you to because I think it'd be interesting to show us. Lop off like the top seven picks. Lop off, lop it off after yeah, Lamar. I, I can after do that. Lamar, like you know that type of range. I can do that. So top top six picks, if you're interested, um, instead of top twelve. So if you're looking at um, the middle chart here, like Omega, the, the major, the major spike week. So QB ones one through twelve are sixty three percent of the spike weeks. 
Um, if you do one through six instead, that gets you. So that's originally it was 145 spike weeks for one through 12 and it's 98 spike weeks and one through six. So you're right that it's a, it's a big portion. So it's 65% of that 63% are cute quarterbacks one through six. So you're right that the, you know, obviously like, I think you're, you're frankly just like structurally at a disadvantage when you go into these super flex rooms and you get a back half pick, like, that's happened You're at a so massive much. disadvantage. It's, it's like it's, really, yeah. it's actually kind of unfair. Like it's, it's, a, it's, it's probably really the format. Yeah. yeah. It's but unfair. still like, it's <laughs> not like it's 65% of that number. So, you know, what's that quick math? But he, Okay. So let, but let's operate. Let's, let's think about that though. Okay. You have the 12th pick. I don't think anyone who's done one of these drafts would argue that you're not at a massive disadvantage Yeah, relative to the guys with the early picks. 100%. So, as a drafter now, with a massive disadvantage, your odds of winning this tournament are much lower. Your odds of even advancing are much lower. What do you do with that information? Because I think if you just sit there and you get your three quarterbacks in the first six rounds, you're basically like capitulating. Like play to win. You know what I mean? You're a huge dog. So why not try to find, try to hit on two late quarterbacks and push it a little bit and get because, dude, your like your chances of advancing that team are already super low anyway. So why not actually uh-huh. try to hit home runs? And I do think you can hit home runs at the quarterback position in the sense of I'm filling I'm filling this position with points regularly, not spike weeks. I'm not saying you're going to like find you know some crazy rushing quarterback that no one's ever heard of. That's not going to happen. But what you do have the chance to is just not get totally crushed the quarterback position while you crush with the best skill player room in that particular week. I, I see the argument, but like, I still think you you can make the same argument the other way around. And it's more convincing that you get the quarterbacks early and you can make up for it with wide receivers and running backs later. Like historically there's just higher. From the 12 spot. Of- you think that from the 12 hole? So if I'm in the 12 hole, I, I'm probably taking one quarterback and one skill position player. Um, like, man, I don't know. Two, two, uh, it gets like, tough, though, man. You, you're going to be doing look, what I'm doing, whether you want to or not. Because by, by the time it comes back to the 3-4 turn, the quarterbacks are gone again. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a disaster. Sucks. It's actually just such a disaster picking there because not only um, do you not get a chance at the elites, but actually, like, you can often get boxed out of like the rookie because the guys at like the five yeah. six turn also can box you they out. Also so, like, go. It really should be third round reversal. Um, but I, I don't it, know. It, it I, I just don't. Agree. I don't think that like. That's why a, I mean a, that's literally why you should be taking Jacoby Brissett and Taylor Heineke and these guys because you're you're drawing so thin to bank yes. anyway. You gotta just you gotta just take on the risk. I, I think I think you should be taking those guys, but I think you should be taking four QBs and three top twenty-four plus add your favorite guys later. Like that's man, that's I, not I, what we're saying. Well, uh, we're, I'm saying basically take two top are. twenty-four, uh, and I mean it's actually a pretty subtle difference. I'm saying like take two of the top twenty-four, and then go go hunt around and find some other guys, and take three I, if I, you want. I don't care. Yeah, I, I, I just I'm gonna lean three just because I think like again if. And I, and I made this point in chat, like if best ball were purely like a DFS one week slate and I was doing like a weekly team where I was drafting for the highest single week upside in one week, 
Pat, I'd be 100% with you that I would not take three quarterbacks in the first six rounds. That well, Sam, guess doesn't... what? You are. This is what this tournament no, is. No, no, but let me finish it. <laughs> let me finish my... tournament. Dude, it, it's not quite, though, because you have to win. Like, you're saying with your strategy that you basically you have to have your two quarterbacks score for you every single week, like in three consecutive weeks. And with the way like pocket passer scoring works, like it's very variable week to week. And I think having three guys, like, I mean, it's just the same thing of like, what, like I'd rather have two good quarterbacks going into a one quarterback playoffs than just having sure. one. Like if I just have Jalen hurts healthy and no one else, like the odds of me winning like three consecutive tournaments are super low. Cause even if he smashes all three weeks, there's a ton of Jalen Hurts teams that are going to be there because he smashed all three weeks. Like, I just think you kind of need, like, at all positions, let's, let's, you need, let's you like need dial multiple in contributors what, at, at all positions. Like, Let's dial in on what we're actually talking about because what we could be talking about here is we have the exact same quarterback one. So let's say we both have Joe Burrow as our quarterback one. What you're doing in your second round, it sounds like, you know, you're taking more of, like, you know, the Kirk Cousins type. No, sorry. You know, you, I, I want to be clear that I actually – I think we're aligned that in the second round. Oh, sorry. So like, you you don't have that guy. You've got Stroud and you've got Bryce Young. So what I'm doing is I'm taking in the first two rounds. I'm taking one quarterback. Generally, I'm not a like I'm never not. I'm double tapping like sometimes, but that's not my base build. Like usually, first two rounds, got I'm it. taking one quarterback. Then rounds four through six, I want two. I want Trey Lance and Matt Stafford. I want C.J. Stroud and Kenny Pickett. I, I want two of those guys because I feel like the drop off after that is so huge that it's just worth getting them. And you can still get tons of good wide receivers and running backs from like rounds six through 12 or whatever. That, so that that's my, that's the strategy I'm advocating for. Yeah. And I, I mean, Lance and Stafford, I think are very good picks, but like the pickets of the world, you know, what I, what I guess I'm saying is like, if you're going into these tournament weeks and we both have the same quarterback one and you have Kenny Pickett, and CJ Stroud. And I have Mac Jones who's starting and Jacoby Brissett who's starting. What's the difference? I have I the difference is I have the better quarterback room. Not you. And like, guess what? You're... I have a better skill position room too. So so I'm setting myself up better for the tournament weeks if I I, I think I'm more risk to get there, but So I don't think I necessarily agree with Pat's thought there. What I think I think you like pick it over Brissett if he starts. I don't. I just well, think like it's the, if he starts I, thing I, is I, doing so much of the work. Like sure, if I, if you could identify yeah, the late round guys that are going to start, like that's just doing. Well, so Sam much Howell's getting benched. I'm pretty confident. But that so that <laughs> Sam to 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 my point is what you just said, which is I I think that the edge that exists right now in this tournament is getting more skill position players and having just taking stabs right. Tyler Huntley, Mike White, Sam Darnold, who who the fuck ever? It just it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, Sam Darnold getting, is another one. Yeah, I mean, look, we uh, we love this is a, a pro Sam Darnold program, right? I mean, just the idea I think is you are like just imagine if you had drafted fifty percent of Geno Smith with like the in in the thirteenth round last year in the Superflex tournament, you would have been like a huge favorite to advance. Like, yeah, it only happens. To what advance. did we say? To advance. That's the, to that's advance. the key thing. Yeah. Not just not just to 
Because I think that's the other part of it. It's like, yes, but, but, we are but have, if you, I mean, if you advance 50 teams or whatever, yeah. or 30 teams, like you're just like, you're just are feeling so good about making money. I, and I but don't the, disagree that that's massive leverage, but I'm just saying like the anecdotal examples at running back and wide receiver, like you could say, imagine if you took 50% James Robinson in 2020. Imagine if you took but it's, it's 50% more stream, it's more streamlined. It's more streamlined at quarterback because right. they're not, they're not only competing with other guys who it could yeah, be from. First of all, they're not competing with other guys on their offense. Like, sure, James Robinson wins the job for the Jaguars, but he stinks, so he doesn't get enough points. Like, it's just like quarterbacks who stink. What what is their floor? Like fourteen fantasy points per game for like the worst guy who starts all season. You know, it's like, just yeah, it's yeah. twelve. Yeah, I mean, so it's the, it's you're just a huge win. The other thing is that if you think these wins do exist, and I do, I mean, if you. Just look at like Desmond Ritter is a starting NFL quarterback, you know, like there's lots of guys who are like, that's not going to work for a whole season, you know. So I do think these wins exist out there. Um, there's also quarterbacks like, you know, Tannehill and stuff like Tannehill could go destroy Ritter's season, you know, if he gets traded to if they trade up for quarterback and then trade Tannehill or something. There's lots of ways that so I think some of these more talented quarterbacks can can get out there on the field. But if you push quarterback three, what you set yourself up to do is actually benefit in a huge way if you do hit on one of those guys. Because if you tack on a Heineke to a three quarterback build within the first top six, right? Like your your Pickett, Stroud, and your Burrow, and then you have Heineke. And if Heineke's starting for a big part of the season, that helps you a little. It doesn't help you a lot. If you have Heineke as part of maybe even a five quarterback build with two early, three late, the fact that he's out there helps you a ton. He's actually boosted your advance rates considerably if you're able to hit on that too. So I think there's like additional, by pushing it, you, you're you more risky with that super flex spot, but you're also gaining more if you do hit and you're gaining more, not just on a weekly basis, but from an advance rate perspective. So sure. when you, when you win, you win basically. Yeah. I, I, I don't, and I don't disagree. Like if you identify I'll say a couple of things. If you are able to identify the later round guys that do start, I agree that like if Ryan and Tannehill starts, there's no difference between him and CJ Stroud. Maybe even he's like slightly higher upside. Sure. I'll that's, agree that. that's all we're saying. And but, it's but like, if but like if I'm saying like the, the if is just doing like so, so much of the work. But is it that big of an if that Ryan Tannehill starts this year? He's starting. No, no, it's more. not. But like the, the common, I feel like it's a pretty big if the, the common, he starts at all. I don't think so. Like, you guys have you, you have to get so much right in best ball to have a good team. Like you could nail the late round quarterbacks that do What's well. What's the number but, one but thing you, you have to get right in this format? What would be if you could choose one thing to get right about? It would be getting a starting quarterback yeah, after pick. I'm saying that gives you a ton of leverage, but the odds of hitting all those quarterbacks that you get right and the skill position players that you took in rounds two through five, just not like tearing their ACL or getting injured. Like I'm just saying, like you can be right about that and it doesn't pay off. Like you can, a, a lot of shit can go yeah. wrong. Well, I mean, that's basically, roster. that's basically best ball anyways. It's like yeah. 90% of us are going to lose like 90% of us, not well, even are I not going to win. You're way more likely to get quarterback, right. By like, histo and what I will grant you is like this data. Um, and I think this is an important distinction. That is a fair pushback. Like this data is going to be end of the season ADP. So this is likely already when, you know, the starters are announced, you know, who's exactly, exactly who's going to start. So it's a little softer in that sense. So I, I do get your argument to some extent that, hey, you can identify, you know, Ryan Tannehill at quarterback 30 now because it's un there's uncertainty about him starting. Whereas like in this ADP, like if he did end up starting to start the year, he would be like a quarterback too. So like, 
I, I kind of get that. Around. Yeah, for yeah, sure. I, I, I kind of, I, I get that part of it, but I'm just saying that like, you can tell yourself the story. Hey, if I hit on the the right quarterbacks, you know, it's I think you're telling yourself rich. more of a story than you think, because those quarterbacks that you're saying, like in the optimal build, those are quarterback threes. Those are those, you know, like those guys aren't those. You're in the nine percent bucket when you take a CJ Stroud and a Kenny Pickett. Uh no, they're they're quarterback twos by ADP. Stroud, Bryce by Young. one quarterback ADP. Yeah, because they're going okay. I guess there's 20, just there's just not that many jobs. Those those are, in my opinion, by the end of the summer, like Kenny Pickett. Once we know where everyone's starting, like that's you're taking him as quarterback 23 or are you taking him as quarterback 26 or 27? Like there's not really that much upside there from a, the reason he's going in the top 24, I think is because we know for a fact, he's the starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But in terms of the spike week profile, he, I mean, he showed nothing last year, you know? So I just think you're, you're telling yourself more of a story with a CJ Stroud and with a Kenny Pickett in terms of what they can do for you in a single week tournament then it may feel like you're doing. You're getting a lot more safety for sure. But I just think that the upside actually isn't really there. I think they belong in this 9% major spike week bucket, not the 26% once you get down into that range. It's a I mean, rookie like, and a and a second-year guy showed nothing as a rookie. You, you, upside has to factor in their odds of starting weeks 15 through 17. Like If, if, I, if there's two players who are identical and one has 100% odds, of starting weeks 15 through 17 and one has 50% odds of starting weeks 15 through 17, that player inherently has a lot more upside. Sure. Yes. Yes. I'm, that's not, so I'm, not I'm just saying, I'm I, saying if, if they are starting though, they have the profile of a guy who gets drafted in the later rounds of a, of a one quarterback league. They, they're not the type, they're not like in the Daniel Jones zone last year where you're like, well, he can run, you know, yeah, I'm not sure what he's going to do for me, but I know he can run. Pickett doesn't even give you that. You know, he's a pocket passer who. It's just it's just devastating well. to your teams, and like even in one quarterback, like when Derek Carr got benched down the stretch last year, if you had a, a two quarterback team with Derek Carr and and he gets benched down the stretch, that's just like devastating for your chances. Of isn't that isn't that literally an argument for the opposite strategy of just saying you should be you should just be nabbing some backups because yes. we feel so much more <laughs> confident in our ability to project who's starting 17 games. Like we who are, are the guys? Who are the guys who are literally there is no circumstance in which they're not starting seventeen games? We got Allen, Mahomes, Hurts. I literally I would not include Justin Fields. I think there are scenarios where Justin Fields gets benched for performance related reasons. Burrow, Herbert, not Lamar, Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, Tua, but Tua could be out of football very yeah. quickly. Uh, Daniel Jones probably this year just because he won't they get paid benched. them. They just, they, but they, it's they not gonna get benched. Uh, I mean, Goff, Aaron Rodgers. I would say Cousins could get benched. Cousins could get benched. Goff could get benched. Gino Aaron Rodgers doesn't benched. currently play for an NFL team. So Russ could, could get benched. benched. Carr could get benched. Kyler Murray might not even play. Jordan Love might just. Stay yeah, if you're not taking benched. Jarrett Stidham in these leagues, like you're not, you're not thinking hard enough. <sighs> right. But Stafford, saying, like, <laughs> Love, Young, Richards, dude. This is you can, you can the more this, I'm looking the, at the, this, the more I'm convinced. The more right. you can say this, but like the market is so good at identifying which quarterbacks are going to give you spike weeks. Like, just look at. This but you're data, using like, the wrong ADP for this. Like, they're so it's good, not gonna be but that they're not. Di- it's not going to be that different. Yes, it like, is, dude. Like no, Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett does not fit the archetype that you're describing. You're saying, look, look at he gives me a 26% chance. No, he doesn't, dude. 
that's not the Kenny Pickett archetype. Kenny Pickett is like the end okay. of August, like round 16, round 17 type guy. He's not, he's, he's not going 13th round. No one's taking Kenny Pickett in the 13th round in August. And one quarterback. Yeah. yeah. He, he's okay, he's Kenny, not Kenny, a spike week producer. Take Kenny Pickett out of it. Like the other examples, Matt Stafford, Bryce Young. CJ Stroud. Stroud. I feel the exact same way about CJ Stroud. Bryce Young. I like Bryce Young a lot more than CJ Stroud. Okay, well, but then think... if you're saying all the quarterback twos suck, then you're just going to, you're going to say that you're like the market historically has been a, only been able to find like 10% of the spike weeks at quarterback three or later. And you're just saying that like you're going to be able no. to do that at a no, way better. I'm saying rate you than... think you found spike weeks and you didn't. And I think I didn't find spike weeks, but and I also spike didn't. weeks at quarterback <laughs> again. Spike weeks at like quarterback for it's like in superflex, it's not as high of a bar as in sure. one quarterback leagues. Like Kenny Pickett, two hundred fifty yards, three touchdowns. He's not going to do that a lot. I think he's going to do it a couple. But I like, can replace that later. I can replace that later. I mean, Mac Jones. The data, the data is, says Mac you Jones can't is really. The, he's the exact same bet. He's exactly he's like got a much okay. I don't know. I don't know what to I don't know what to believe about the Mac Jones zappy stuff, but I think you at least have to acknowledge there's a higher chance of Mac Jones not starting down the stretch. Of course there is. Pickett. That's why I get a discount. If Mac but Jones was going next to Kenny Pickett, I say Kenny The Pickett. discount is the difference between Jerry Judy to Chris Godwin. Well, I don't is that worth Jerry is Judy. that worth the take, risk? I can take uh Christian Watson, who has a much higher weekly ceiling given that uh he's not well. I guess he has I mean, Jordan Chris, still Christian Watson to Chris Godwin. Like, I uh, I don't know, man. Like that, that is a difference. I want Watson, but like, is it worth the extra risk? I don't know. We, we're, I don't think we're going to agree. This, this is a, this is a fun debate. Um, live a little, live a little, Sam. I, I am living a little and it's having three quarterbacks uh, that I know are going to be starting in the playoffs when I, when I need them to all go off in weeks 15 or seven. Take two and then live a little. Find find yeah. something that you can't find later. Yeah, I'm, I'm team. I'm team. Live a little, especially because this far out from the uh, from the NFL or from the actual season, our accuracy and our ability to like just project is going to be worse than it is going to be in August. So yeah, I'm team. I'm team. Live a little, dude. I, I like and, I, and like this might come off as like, oh, I hate Tannehill. I hate taking Levis. I don't. I, I'm I do hate. Guys. I do hate Tannehill. I don't think Tannehill's gonna play. Fair, fair but, enough. But I, I don't hate taking that tier of guy. I'm just saying that like having four quarter again. You need to like. I think to take down these tournaments, you need to have like two quarterbacks scoring consistently in your lineup. Like, why would we not want four quarterbacks? Like when they give us twenty roster spots. Like you can find guys at other no, positions. No, I agree with that. I mean, it, you're, yeah. you're talking to two guys who love taking the late quarterback. So, but I'm no saying like, take, you could take the three and still take, take these guys. And I, again, I don't think your strategy pad is horrible or, or like what you're saying is horrible. Like doing one elite, one fifth or sixth round guy or whatever, and then tacking on two, three, like super late guys. I'm not saying that's like an unviable or like terrible strategy. I, I just think that like, Based based on my analysis, I th- I think I'm getting higher upside and safety. Um, not not the absolute, well, so th- uh, not the absolute nut upside. Yeah, like, I, I, I that's the part you, that I think you're I kind of like double counting your safety because you're like you're my upside that. is that he's likelier to start. I'm like, yeah, but, but dude, that is that, that is that is yeah, like you can't yeah, but then, dismiss that then as you, upside. You're not allowed to go and I have higher safety because you put your safety into the upside equation to get the higher upside up. But I think they're they're similar. I mean. I just think like you don't need to hit the absolute nut outcome of nailing this year's Gino. Like 
Dude, like, look at the teams that win Best Ball Mania. Like, they're not these, like, absolute nut outcome. You hit every well, single it's, league Because it's just teams. fucking, I mean, the other, the like, other. I, I just think you need to have a team that's going to be scoring points when you get to the playoffs, and then the randomness is going to shake out. And I and I like my odds of having a team that's got, like, good 95 percentile outcomes. Maybe not 100 percentile outcomes, but, like, really strong, you know, 95 to 98 percentile outcomes, like, when the playoffs roll around. To me, like, it's, like, what can you get in this part of the draft that you can't get later in the draft? And if I show up and Kenny Pickett's there and look, I've taken Kenny Pickett. I'm not saying I'm not taking Kenny Pickett because I don't like to just completely push it. You will get locked out a quarterback and you don't. And if you locked out a quarterback, you might as well stop drafting and go do something else because you're not going to win. <laughs> but if you are sitting there and you've already got two quarterbacks and you're looking at Kenny Pickett, you're like, what can I get here that I can't get later? Well, one thing that you can get here is to be very, very strong at a skill position player. And yeah, maybe that particular guy like, oh, Jerry Judy for this guy. But like you're you're building a room of of firepower that is going to be superior to the other teams that you're going up against in these single week tournaments. If you're, you know, prioritizing that position, what can you get later in the draft at quarterback? In my view, you can get the exact same weekly type of bet as Kenny Pickett if that player is starting. And the further you go into the draft, the less likely that player is starting the entire season. But like, I don't know, Will Levis seems more fun to me than Kenny Pickett. And I feel just as confident that he's starting by the end of the year. I mean, he's what not, if Will Levis, what if Will Levis is, Le- Levis is the, Pickett? Le- Levis is one of the best picks in the form. And I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that by any means. So, so, but- so just star Levis and skip Pickett, you know? And yeah, maybe you don't have, Maybe you didn't get that the thing much is I'm fine with Levis as the, the wide receiver 1v1, but I think you get something. The thing is, I'm I'm fine with just, like, having Levis in my back pocket as a four. I think you should be taking four quarterbacks in these. And, like, again, think? like, Levis, like, there's good individual bets. I'm not dismissing that. But, like, the two-by-two, two, again, like, I've, I've made this point a hundred times. Like, you take um, Jerry – I know you hate this two-by-two. Two. Okay, Chris, let's say Christian Watson. You take Stop Christian Watson. Jerry Judy for – you take Christian Watson and Baker Mayfield. Um, I take uh, CJ Stroud and Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks versus Baker Mayfield. One of those players has 100% odds of starting weeks 15 through 17 if he's healthy. One of those players has like 30% odds of starting. I'm not actually on Baker Mayfield because I think he's bad. You guys so. are going to eat it. <laughs> I didn't want Davis and I are, are aligned, so I didn't want to admit that this whole time. But I'm actually not taking Baker Mayfield in particular. But sure. Oh man, well that was fun. I, I love fucking screaming at the top of my lungs about best ball. Uh, Hang on, no, I know. need to. I need to show you a team to to tilt you. I need to show you a team. All right, here's a team. This is this is one of my favorite teams I've drafted. Should I uh, um, share your screen? Yeah. All right. I'm about to make so, some picks. Yeah, this is perfect. Can you guys see? So Joe Burrow. Uh, maybe I should just go back. Go back one. Yeah, here we go. Okay. Joe Burrow, Matthew Stafford, Will Levis, Taylor Heineke. Boom, I'm done. I've got I've got two starters. I've got a guy who's going to be starting by the end of the year. And I've got a guy who probably be starting by week three since Desmond Ritter is an atrocity. All right. Then I've got a uh, nice little running back room. This is basically a zero running back team, but I feel pretty strong. Uh, took some rookie scratch-offs. And then plus Zach Charbonnet, who's a scratch-off plus. My wide receiver room is 
pretty good. Also, in these early weeks when I'm muddling around a little bit of quarterback, one of these wide receivers is probably slotting in per your chart, Sam. Sometimes the wide receiver fills a super flex, and that's okay. Just a couple weeks. Just a couple weeks until yeah, that's, that's takes fine. that job. That can yeah. Then I got my elite tight end and my correlation tight end, Tyler Higby, who uh, who Davis talked me back on to on this show yes. a couple weeks ago. So so sad. I, I like I, this I've team. been sending out dynasty offers for him. All I'll say is uh, enjoy CD Lamb in the second round. I'll take uh, Jimmy G and he'll outscore him. So. Yeah, he will outscore him, but I'm, <laughs> I've got Heineke in the 20th round, so I'll be fine. I, have, no. I might have a starting quarter. So this, this, I mean, Sam, you and I view running back a bit differently, so it doesn't surprise me because that this because I view this as kind of similar to running back. As like, if I can hit on a Taylor Heineke in the 20th round, like that gives me a true home run. Like it, it won't be a closing line value type of win because he won't win the week one job, but like the equivalent of a closing line value type of thing where he would be a sixth round, seventh round pick and you're getting him in the 20th round. And that type of win doesn't really exist. Like you could, I guess maybe it exists, but it exists in such a smaller, such a larger pool of overall players that you got to go hunting around and find your odds of actually finding the correct guy are so much lower where there's like six situations of which like that win could come from. Maybe we don't get any, but I think we probably get one. So yeah, if I, no, yeah. you know, if I can find that type of home run and then I structure my team so that that home run actually really, really helps me, you know, then I think that's how you take down this tournament, which your odds of winning this tournament are very low. Your odds of even getting to the final round are very low. So I think, you know, I think David Kitchen has a point. We should live a little. <laughs> I just think, I think it's playing a little fast and loose with the position. Like, you it know, it is. I'm You're only allocating, you know, my, my original analysis said, like, if you just allocate draft capital proportional to starting spots, then you probably want like four to five quarterbacks. And again, we, we know why that's impossible to do in practice because there's only 32 starting quarterbacks in the league. That's not like a perfect analysis, but like, I don't know, man, like I, I get it. And I'm not, I'm taking four quarter. I'm taking the Taylor Heineke's I'm taking the Sam Darnold's, but I'm usually doing that in addition to just getting three guys that I feel really good about starting. And, you know, I wish. I'm going to try to steam Will Levis's ADP up into the 70s. Don't steam it up. Don't so steam it up. Stop. They don't have, so to, they don't have to go over to your side of this. Will Levis is one of the skeleton it. keys. I'm sick of you using him as a crutch in this argument, so I'm trying to It's not a crutch. ADP. He's sitting right here on my team. <laughs> but I will, uh, here's, here's one thing I'll say. I like your strategy a lot more than, you know, taking quarterback, quarterback, and then grabbing a quarterback in the fifth or something. I think that that's where you, like, really put yourself at a disadvantage and – you put yourself in a situation where you might not even be able to use that Taylor Heineke hit very much because like you, you've spent so much of the quarterback position that like Tua stays healthy and he's slotting into your lineup over Heineke anyway, you know? And so you're like yeah. not even benefiting from this massive hit that you got. So I don't have an issue with like the way you're building plus adding a late round quarterback. Like I think it's probably fine. I just prefer to push it a little bit more with the odd, you know, with the like, yeah, I am going a little bit more risky, but it's a 260 team field and it's really tough to get there in the first place. So I'm probably going to need to hit a home run on this team somewhere. And one of the easiest places I think to, to sort of reliably hit a, hit a home run as we sit here in April is just target some of these uncertain quarterback rooms. Yeah. yeah you man, just want to, you just want to capitalize on the uncertainty. That's all it is. Sure. But I, I guess just like, I, I think like, 
comparing the number one and number two overall picks in the NFL draft and Bryce Young and C.G. Stroud to like Taylor Heineke in terms of sure you can say like they're going into bad situations and you don't think they have a ton of upside in year one but like you know sometimes these really good quarterback prospects prospects just hit right away and do provide a lot of upside we saw that with Burrow um you know his rookie year before he got hurt not like he was incredible but like as a super flex pick Burrow would have been awesome if he stayed healthy his rookie year so I don't know I'm just just saying like you know those guys have if you hit on Taylor Heineke or if you hit on well I I that it's the same I didn't compare Heineke directly to Stroud. I was comparing. Who was I comparing? Uh, Mac Jones. Mac Jones. Has, I don't yeah, know, Mac man. I, I'm a little skeptical of just saying Mac Jones and CJ Stroud are the same thing. But I see, I see where first, you're going. First round it. pick going into his third year. And people forget he has off, an offensive coordinator this year. He does have an offensive coordinator. I, I, am not, I am not forgetting that. Yeah. All right. We'll, uh, we'll seemingly All right. That was ADP agree. chasing. Yeah. All right. So, Risers, Abana Kanda, OBJ, all right, uh, Fowler, Pittman, Devonta Smith, okay. <laughs> um, all right, let's let's start with Odell. Um, that's enough that's already long. with the Odell, dude. He's so dust. This man, this man is dust incarnate. Enough. If people, oh, it's really just that people are so wide receiver thirsty. Well, that's if, the, if the Ravens like him, he must still be good. <laughs> I, I one thing I do think one thing I do think is hilarious is Jarvis Landry is still technically a free agent. What odds would you make on the Ravens eventually signing Jarvis Landry and Odell and reuniting the 2013 LSU Tigers? God, Jarvis Landry. I kind of think he has more left in the tank than Odell. Is that a crazy take? No, no, I I do too. I think I think Odell. I think if Odell had anything left in the tank, the the Cowboys would have given him what he was asking yeah. for last year because Jerry clearly wanted Odell. I said, I don't remember what show I said this on. I think this will cast. I, I Jerry clearly wanted him. And I think his son and Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore were like, please don't do this to us. Like, this is a huge distraction. He can't play. He can't move. Please. And, and he listened to them. I'm not a big reality TV uh, show guy, but I would, I would love to watch a reality TV show, just or just the real footage. I don't you don't just you know, any, I mean, you to... any anything of Jerry Jones and his son talking about football. Mostly... I can't I can't imagine. And also, but I also want his son talking to other people about Jerry. <laughs> about Jerry. That's mostly what I want. Yeah, my dad just really won't leave this Odell thing alone. It's He's insane. I just don't know what we're gonna do. We gotta cut Zeke, and he just won't let us come. And it's like in the, it shows under it's it's twenty twenty. <laughs> or or the conversation of Mike McCarthy and Stephen and Jerry sitting down explaining to Kellen Moore that him wanting to score points is actually a huge problem, and they gotta let him go. <laughs> yeah. like, we want to let you go. <laughs> it's just it's just like a CD Lamb touchdown, and it's Mike McCarthy. God. God, nobody <laughs> this. No, oh my God! When Tony Pollard uh, breaks off a long run, he's just so furious. It's like, and the and the running back coach yeah. is like, God damn it, we should have had Malik Davis in there. You know, <laughs> yeah. Pollard, Pollard's getting tired. You said bounce it outside for that touchdown. What? <laughs> <laughs> so back back to OBJ. I, I do want to talk this out a little bit. So let me give you a scenario, Davis. Um, you drafted Lamar. You're, you're I'm closing Lamar. my eyes. Lamar, yeah, yeah, close your eyes. Imagine the scenario. You drafted Lamar. Um, you went sort of running back, running back in the first two rounds, one quarterback. So you, you need to tack on some later on wide receivers. So you're looking at wide receivers in his range. Odell, okay. a, a couple guys going in front of Odell. 
Um, Jordan Addison, Quinson Johnson, Elijah Moore. They're easy, they're all easy. Gone. Yeah, they're, easy. So this scenario, they're all gone. So they're they're okay. gone. The guys going after him: Zay Flowers, KJ Osborne, Juju, Jacoby, Sky Moore, Tyler Boyd, Darnell Mooney. So it's a little ugly after Odell. Those are you, those are all guys. Have, when I'm closing my eyes, I'm not retching, thinking about taking. Them. Okay, but okay. So this that, that's the correlation plays. Those are all those are all your correlation plays. Plus, Zay Flowers is clearly better. So you have yeah. Lamar on your roster. You're looking for a wide receiver. Those. Good rookie wide receivers are gone. You're choosing between Odell, KJ Osborne, Juju, Jacoby Myers, Sky Moore, Darnell Mooney. What's yeah, I mean, I would, I would just take him for correlation's yeah. okay. sake. But what is De- what is Devin Duvernay's ADP? Like, what odds can I get? I, I mean, I'm stealing this bit from Pete, but like, what odds can I get that Devin Duvernay scores more fantasy points? You're gonna be pretty bummed out by those Odell. Nelson Aguilar catches. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot. Pat, same wow. scenario to you. Are you, you're taking Odell right just for the stack no. correlation? No, no, I don't think I'll. I don't think I'll have much Odell. Cause look, man, uh, I don't know if you've ever uh, seen me draft, but I usually have five wide receivers by that point. Okay, so but I, but imagine you did, you know, your your you know tournament winning lineup. You took uh, two running backs in the first two rounds. You, yeah. you hammered some running backs in the I ninth and tenth. tight end. You yeah. got, you're in a pocket where you're looking for a wide receiver. Those are your options. I think I took Jacoby on. Myers in this exact ring. I think it took him like the eleventh round or okay. something. So maybe would I take Odell instead of Jacoby Myers? No. For the correlation? No. I guess I mean, I guess if I, I'm in a situation where we know for a fact that Lamar is there and uh, you know, sure. we've got the monk and offense. Yeah, okay. I would take it for the correlation. If the Lamar situation has been completely resolved, everybody's psyched, everybody's happy, and we're like, you know, there might be more passing. They finally got rid of uh what's his face. They're not gonna be Greg Roman, they're not gonna be running all the time. So yeah. Okay. I did yeah. kind of you forget. That. I did. Game. I did kind of forget this Munkin thing that really might end up working out for Odell. But I just yeah. think the issue is I just think he's so brittle. I think he seems like one of these guys who's honestly, man, I can't believe I'm very Thielen-y to me. Like he might run into some touchdowns. Well, that's why Sam likes him. That's right. Why I love I, him, baby. I mean, he might run into some <laughs> touchdowns spike weeks, but I just don't. I mean, we're talking about the last time we saw this dude play was in 2021. Dude, okay, so let me give I, – I think I, I'm aligned with you guys, but just for devil's advocate's sake, let me give a little bit of the pro Odell case. And I'm totally with you. It's been two years since we've seen him play. He's 30 years old, coming off major leg injuries, like all these arrows so, are pointing so downward. Am I wrong? Sorry, but it, it, he tore the same ACL, right? Like he yeah. tore his ACL in whichever knee it was, and then in, in that same knee, he tore that ACL again, right? I think I think that's correct. I'm like not. That's generally a pretty that. bad prognosis. So you'd yeah, much that's rather bad. The, have him. The injury stuff is bad. I, I will say, like, I think there there has been a little bit of revisionist history about like, oh, last time we saw Odell, he was washed. I, I think so. Here's last three. Here's last three games. Well, he, that he, he, was the playoffs. he was looking good. He, he was, was looking good. Yeah, he was. He was looking really good. So last three games he played, um, divisional round versus Tampa Bay, six for sixty nine on eight targets. NFC Conference Championship for San Francisco, 9 for 113 on 11 targets. Then Super Bowl versus the Bengals, 2 for 52 and 1 TD on 3 targets, but he only played one and a half quarters in that game. He tore his ACL right. midway through the second. He was like a huge part of their Super Bowl game plan. He was balling. Um, so last time we saw him, he was very – if you look at the wide receiver charting stuff, he was top five in ESPN open score in 2021. 
he was top 20 in uh, Matthew Harmon's reception perception in terms of success rate versus man and success rate versus zone. So last time we saw him, he was like, I don't think you can say he was washed last time we saw him. You can say the injury stuff looks really bad. He took a full year off, but like, I'm still willing to say there's, there's a glimmer of upside just in the fact that last time we saw him, he was balling and the wide receivers that go after him, man, it's like a lot of slot guys that are just like, pretty boring so like if he continues to rise yes i'm going to be like full fading him but where he's going now i'm willing to take him in lamar stacks just because I, I think there is a glimmer of upside in his profile just based on what he was doing last time we saw him the thing i will say about him when we last saw him is that writing up the walkthrough at the time it really jumped out to me that his usage had shifted from kind of especially from pico dell and he was much more of kind of an underneath type of receiver uh, than he'd previously been with the Rams. When he first joined the Rams, uh, he had like this clear out deep threat, dot 22.7 in week 10, uh, down to 11.8. ADOT bounces around a little bit, but he had 22.8 uh, in week 13. By the end of the year, he had ADOTs of 9.5, 8.7, 12.6, 12 12.3. Not like, I'm not saying he's Amon Ross St. Brown or something, but he definitely seemed like he was more of kind of like the the underneath yards after catch type of profile as opposed to like a downfield big play threat that he used to be. Um, that's okay. Guys have like second phases to their career. I don't love it in a Lamar Jackson offense, especially like the, the Todd Munkin stuff. Like maybe we get more passing volume, but like it would be a lot more exciting to me if he was with, yeah. a, you know, a more high volume passing offense. It's likely going to be about kind of more like West Coast style. Like that's where I think he would have really had a chance to to rack up some serious fantasy points. Like Lamar tends to be more of these seam stretching routes from Andrews and like deep shots. Yeah. So I don't I don't think it's a perfect fit, not just because of the passing volume. Totally, totally with you. I think like in a vacuum, it's a really rough click for me. But in Lamar teams, I, I have been doing a a decent bit of Lamar stacks. Um. So I, I am considering him in Lamar stacks. But yeah, in a vacuum, it, it's just. It's not a great fit. A, a lot of things going against him. Let's talk uh, Izzy Abanacanda. He is just surging up draft boards. You know, he was going in the 220s in one quarterback, I think, last time, um, yeah. you know, or two weeks ago. And now he's 150 in Superflex. So really pr pretty massive rise now. He's going around um, running backs in that range, like Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, Kenny Gainwell, Donta Foreman, Gibson, Eli Mitchell, that sort of where he's going now um pat i'll i'll send it to you first are you still buying izzy at at this new price yeah i am uh okay. i i'm taking him uh so i can't say i'm not uh because <laughs> i am clicking the button i do think yeah you're getting now to a point where like there's more opportunity costs it's more of kind of a risk reward type of bet but you pointed out to me sam that we are starting to see him move up boards uh, in terms of the NFL's evaluation, you know, this pro day does seem to have given him a little more juice in terms of his draft capital. Um, if he's a third round pick, I think he's like a really exciting bet. Um, Sean Siegel, I just had him on the Legendary Upside podcast. He has him ranked ahead of Zach Charbonnet in his rookie ranks. I so, you know, that, that gave me. I mean, that's, that's classic. That is just classic, Sean. <laughs> Isn't it? It's so delightful. So, Here's the thing. Uh, which it's just, I, it could be a Banacanda. It could be Charbonnet. It could be Deuce McBride. It could be whichever one of these guys 
gets drafted now, by on, the can film. I just, can I say, this is the second time you said Deuce McBride, and are you just willing Deuce Vaughn to be bigger? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> no, no, I, I, I read Combined your thread. Wayne I, read, I, read your, I read your thread. Yeah, but his name's Dwayne. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just having, I'm ha I am. I'm having you're just a, mentally I'm, willing Deuce yeah, Vaughn to I, be I bigger. Am. I'm living a little. <laughs> the, I think there are I think there are four teams that immediately boost this guy to that could boost him above Charbonnet, make him the running back three, maybe even the running back two in the class. The Chiefs, the Bills, the Eagles, and the Bengals, because all of those teams, the Chiefs, I mean the Chiefs could Dolphins, maybe. Uh, I, would nah, love, I would love they, the Dolphins. Because they re-signed Mostert and Wilson, correct? They they did for like a couple million guaranteed each, so so I don't. Also, I, I, those guys are old. Mostert's literally just old, is he? It's yeah. We have I, to wait my, six my weeks, thing, but it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, my my guess, and also I just don't think the Miami offense will be quite. I mean, there's just not on the same level. You know, this sure. is not. It's not quite as. And yeah. so much more of their production goes to the two wide receiver guys, whereas right. there's actually a huge need in the Chiefs' offense for a guy who's good. The Bengals. If the Bengals spend a second round pick on Abanacanda or Charbonnet or any of these guys, they're cutting mixing. They're saving that money. They're doing their, and that guy is just the guy, right? Uh, the bills, whoever that I is, mean, is like a fifth round pick. If that happens. Yes. The bills. I mean, it's, it's maybe a little bit more gray there because they, yeah. they, they did sign Damian Harris. I mean, to me, James cook looks like the 900th guy who weighs a hundred and, 92 pounds and was a pass catching specialist and then didn't end up playing in the NFL. Like, you know, it, like I I've, I've drafted a million guys like that. I've cut a million guys like that in <laughs> dynasty. And then the Eagles don't really like, I know this is a pro Rashad Penny program. Yeah. They don't really have a, a proven solution on their yeah. roster. And they're the most run heavy team in the league. Like we're going to get a one really good week though. Don't forget. Yeah, dude. Oh, week. Totally. Week seven totally. is going to be awesome. Yeah, Rashad probably, Penny's gonna probably, be on like the, the Raiders three. or something. It'll be week three. Yeah, I, I kind yeah. of uh I got a little optimistic there. By like Gainwell, that. Gainwell will sprain his ankle or something in in week two, and he'll be yeah. out, and they'll just be like, "All right, Penny, it's it's your it's your show." He'll have it'll be like carries. the Ceh victory laps from last year that happened yep. at week three, and then for some reason stopped happening. I can't remember why. Uh, you know, it'll be like he was the he, guy. You had to have we should just start re retweeting some of those CEH like week five victory laps. <laughs> he was no, it's not even week five, dude. He was the he was the running back twelve at week eight of the twenty twenty two NFL season, and then they just benched him. He didn't get hurt. It just he just dis he he get he went down to two snaps a game, and then quote unquote got hurt, and we didn't see him again. He just disappeared. Yeah. Yeah, don't be bad for three states. In my casual league, I remember one of my friends like uh, someone sent him a trade request that was like Mark Andrews for Ceh, and he was like, "Dude, he was trying to rip me off. Like, why would I trade Ceh for Mark Andrews? Like, he's, he's going <laughs> off." <laughs> I love my I love my friends, but this is a very casual uh, twelve team league. They're they're not uh they're not quite sickos like we are. So um, that that was the perception around Ceh though. He was he was scoring touchdowns. Like, if you're just a casual like box score fantasy guy you you would yeah. have thought you got a you got a great pick um for sure so, on uh, on a Canda, let me just say that don't get hyper focused on a Banacanda because his profile while it's my favorite of the guys past charbonnet it's not that different from a kendra miller or a tank bigsby 
or even a Roshan Johnson, who is like a slightly different style of bet, but is basically you're you're kind of hoping he gets a third round pick and takes over a backfield. He'd take it over in a, a slightly different way, but he would potentially take it over nonetheless. So, you know, as a Banacana continues to rise, potentially, those guys look even better, you know, and yeah. Bigsby and Miller are just sitting there. They're just sitting there waiting for you at every Great. draft. It's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, like, look, if the Bengals, they take a Banacana and they cut Mixon, Banacana is a fifth round pick. But if they take Tank Bigsby and cut Mixon, Tank Bigsby's a fifth round pick. Like it, we're not gonna, like it's gonna look very obvious to us that you know, oh, Bigsby was the smash. Depending on what these NFL teams decide to do, so I think you just want to have exposure to some of these other bets. Um, I don't like, like I don't really like Zach Evans that much because he's not big enough. You know, there's some of these guys that I find a little less appealing. But in general, I think you want to have exposure to like pretty much all of these these rookie running backs that are in a big big tier and then some of them i think are more priorities because they have the size to where they could legitimately be like 1a starters as rookies um particularly down the stretch yeah and i think yeah i've been trying to play the adp game with these rookie running backs like when a band of canada was cheap i was taking him though not as much as i should be but now that bigsby and kendra are cheap i'm taking them i'm just kind of like yeah. you know I, I, i'm i'm taking Sean all of tucker's them, but... falling now I, I haven't taken a ton yeah, of shots. The Tucker, medical stuff with him yeah. is maybe tricky, but yeah, I agree. It's not, I have no problem with taking a stab on it. So I think those are all good calls. Uh, let's talk uh, Richie James, get a boots on the ground, take oh, in uh, Kansas wait. city from Davis. Um, I still can't find the contract details in Richie James, which probably isn't a good sign um, for how much money he got. But anyway, I'm going to guess, uh, I'm going to guess it's just a shade above the vet men with loads of incentives. Yeah. So Davis, what what are you doing now? Like the, the Chiefs wide receiver room is a huge mess outside of, you know, Kelsey at tight end. I mean, what, Richie what James thinking? is the only one of these dudes who's shown any ability to produce statistics in the NFL. So uh, Richie, Richie James, that, that uh, I'll never forget that Thursday night game. I got to go look up the exact statistics. Thursday night game for the 49ers. Dude has nine receptions, 184 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, he was, he was very productive, like uh really high catch rate, just good and dependable for the giants last year. I mean, he obviously, I don't think he's like a special player. I don't think he, I don't think he's going to come in a BTR retailer or whatever, but he probably, I would guess he's probably better right now than sky Moore, And he's going to be more dependable and available than Kadarius Tony. Right. Can I, Tony? can I translate what you're saying real quick? I think what you're saying is that he's the Chiefs' Cole Beasley. Yes. Oh, that's a great comp. Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley with maybe a little bit of extra gas. A mm. little bit of extra gas. Like he's Beasley, got some pretty good long speed, right? Doesn't James? Yeah. Beasley was a catch and fall down guy. You right. know, uh, James. James will will stay afloat. I I actually would probably view Richie James as uh, very similar to how he was just used when they were teammates in New York. A insurance policy for Kadarius Tony, where Tony can only play seven snaps. All right, Richie James is coming in and playing. And also uh, an insurance policy if if Sky gets to training camp and has added nothing, improved yeah. in no measurable way. Um, yeah. Because I, I don't know if they can get by another year with with playing Justin Watson, who just – I look, I mean, championship, he was there, but he adds nothing. I mean, Justin He's Watson adds – He's a free agent, adds, right? 
Is yeah, but but but, okay. but that role, right? So yeah, just playing sure, a, sure. playing a wide receiver who doesn't do anything. Well, this is a Justin Ross take now. Just, just, the, just we got to stop with the Justin. Didn't Ross you see him? There. He's catching passes. He's training with Patrick Mahomes. He's on the team. We got it. We got to stop, dude. He he signed. He went. Why do we have to stop? I also saw some Amir Smith like Marset hype with Mahomes oh, training, no. and I'm like, dude, what what are we doing? What's what's going the, on? The 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 problem with Justin Ross is that his body is just simply not capable. It just yeah, he can't. That does seem like a problem. He can't do it. Um, I mean, the Chiefs probably have the worst wide receivers in the league of all 32 teams. They they probably have the worst, and it that's just crazy. might not matter. Just might not matter. You know, it really, that, that's. So you're the, saying Adam, the, Adam Thielen's better than Kadarius Tony? You guys are capitulating there. This again, we're talking about weekly upside now. So. <laughs> um, Adam Thielen, if I were to if I were to have a guy for 17 games, I'd probably choose Adam Thielen. I think he'd be more dependable. But a guy for one game, I'd, I'd take Tony. I yeah. mean, Tony. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. T- Tony was almost Super Bowl MVP. Tony was four yards away on a punt return from being Super Bowl MVP. Tony was lining up in the right spot away from being Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> <laughs> shout, out, shout out Sky Moore, first career touchdown in the Super Bowl. An amazing piece of trivia. I, I think so. To summarize Richie James, I think he's like a, at this price, I think he's a priority on any Mahomes team. Like, I think you got to. You know, you're at pick 190 or whatever. I'm just reaching a little bit and just making sure I get Richie James. I don't know if it's going to work out, but like it's tough on the Mahomes stacks. Like if you don't get Kelsey, you're probably, you're almost definitely not going to get Kelsey in Superflex. Like you got to cobble together some kind of weird stack. I, is I, pretty I, easy. MBS. I like MBS I like, I like, MBS I like the cobble. I like the cobble together. You know, you do you do a little Pacheco, you do a little bit of Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you do a little bit of James, MBS, Sky, like whoever. Yeah, I mean, I'm I thought taking though. a ton of Tony. Tony's price seems like a little silly to me, but I take him if I have Mahomes. Oh, 100 percent, 100 percent. Um, let's talk some fallers here. I was a little confused by this group of wide receivers: DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Pittman, Devonta Smith, that are all falling for the second consecutive week. I think, look, part part of this, I think, is that they're like default ADPs when the tournament opened were just like a little bit too high for the super flex format. That's that's all I think it is. Yeah. I I think that's most of it, but I do let's talk. I think like Hopkins and Pittman have some interesting things to talk about. Like I I can't decide what I want to do with Hopkins this year. Cause like, I'm, I'm, I think the price is like partially baking in some odds of him being on the bills and chiefs. It's like, I don't, know, I, but I, I don't even I don't even think partially. I think this price is saying he is almost certainly not a member of the Cardinals. Yeah, but I, I just don't know. Like, but, but is it definitely guaranteed? It's like I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example. Like, is there a good team that he could go to where we're not excited about his outcome? Like, I guess it's kind of that's the thing. It's like when I think of the trade destinations, it's like it's going to be good passing offenses. I think yeah. so. Well, who? I, I mean, the, the obvious one would be the Bills. I mean, that's been the the really obvious one. Is that even that good of a spot for him? You know, he's really made it's his good. hay. Yeah, I don't know, man. He's really made his hay off of being a really high volume guy and being being. Um, he also has like for for his target volume, he also has a very high catch rate. You know, that's just kind of been one of his things. I don't know if 32-year-old, 31-year-old DeAndre Hopkins, like Diggs is going to be the the intermediate deep guy who gets all that really high-value stuff, and then Gabe Davis is the nine-route guy. Like if DeAndre Hopkins is a bill, he is just simply fancy Cole Beasley. 
you know that that really that really would be the role he would be used in i see i think that give, you're giving way too much respect to gabe davis there i think gabe davis is yeah. coming off the field in some two okay. wide receiver stuff and you know and and what however they have the deployment because they don't run that much two wide receiver stuff anyway but they would essentially have hopkins as the wide receiver too to digs i mean he's he was still pretty good last year and really gabe davis good. Really struggled last year in a number two role. Yeah, I do think Gabe Davis would be most of the nine route guy, but it's like to me, it's kind of more of a Chargers situation where he's like fancy Jalen Guyton, and you've got the two clear top two guys in Hopkins and Diggs. Diggs would be yeah. the, the number one. But what the Bills did last year, even if you look at the route participation, Diggs was running like an insane like ninety five percent routes, and Diggs was only at eighty five percent because basically what they're doing is like I think on plays you know where you know, there's some kind of like curl to a tight end or some kind of screen pass. They're like, hey, Gabe, we're going to give Diggs a break. You go out there and just run straight down the field. But we're not even thinking about throwing it to you. Like they're they're just having him out there on the field. So nothing's on... changed, Gabe. Yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. So I don't know. The, the route stuff might look like a little bit lower for Diggs and Hopkins. But like when they're on the field, their target rates well, are just going to be so crazy compared to Davis's. One other thing on Hopkins is that in 2021, he had this fall off. Uh, in fantasy points per game, he had so let's see in 2018, he had 21 points per game, then 17.6. These are PPR 17.6 in 2019, 18.1 in 2020. So, you know, all, all pretty solid. Falls to 14.7 in 2021. He bounced back from that last year, back up to 17 points per game. But in 2020 or 2021, he was playing like a little bit of a different role, he was kind of more of like, um, Felt like a little more of like a deep threat than he'd been. Yeah, his ADOT actually jumped up to 13.1 in 2021 from nine the previous year, and then it dropped back down to 10.7. So, you know, that it's like maybe that would be like the down, um, the downside if he were on the Bills. Maybe they would have him be kind of like the Gabe Davis. And as a field stretcher, maybe he doesn't have as big of upside, but he still scored over 14 points. Like where he's currently going, I think that's like not a terrible outcome. And then you have the potential that maybe he's like in the same kind of like he won't be a true target dominator the way he was in Arizona. But I still think like we're talking probably 15, 15 and a half, 16 points per game PPR um, on the bills. So yeah, I, I kind of like him. Yeah. The tertiary target earners on the bills like Davis, Dawson Knox, you know, Deontay Hart, like they just don't have you know, that third guy that I'm really worried about drawing a lot of targets. So I think you could project a pretty high target share to to Diggs and Hopkins um, if they're there together. So you guys, I think I'd be more, you guys, I'd be more excited you guys about don't the Chiefs, buy, You guys don't buy the, the QAnon conspiracy theory about Gabe Davis's ankle that he returned too soon from his high ankle sprain to help the team and it limited his ability to get open for the rest of the year? I definitely think that's possible. And I think that's, you know, one reason to stay optimistic on Davis if they don't trade for Hopkins, um, especially if his ADP, I'm not sure like how much of Davis's ADP is reflecting the Hopkins trade risk. But if it, if he like opens up best ball mania and Hopkins has been traded, if Hopkins has been traded elsewhere and Davis, Davis opens up best ball mania at a similar ADP, I think he's a good pick because of, yeah, maybe it is the high ankle sprain, but you talk about like day three running backs, like he's a day three wide receiver and they would have just traded for DeAndre Hopkins. Like his, at that point, the high ankle sprain thing is like, 
I'm sorry you played through that high ankle sprain and it ruined your career. You know, like that's kind of you get to that. Yeah, the, down, the downside risk with him being, you know, replaced with a trade candidate or somebody in the draft just seems like he really relied on just being on the field the entire season. You know, I, I think there's downside risk in his ADP. But like like you said, if we're going into the season and it's just Davis Diggs and Deontay Hardy or whoever. He's like, underpriced for sure then. Yeah, he's, he's a little underpriced, but I wouldn't say like massively underpriced. Um, I think I think he's he's like a I don't know probably seventh round value if he's the guy there. And so these are the guys going in front of him: Brandon Cooks, Traylon Burks, Deontay Johnson, Kadarius Tony, Mike Evans, George Pickens, Marquise Brown. I think he jumps some of those guys, but I'm I still would like some of yeah. those guys above him. So. Me too. That's where I'm at. Too. Um, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Pittman. So. The buzz on the Colts is they're going to take either Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. Like I've struggled to see many other mocks that have them going without a quarterback there. I guess there's some chance now that even Stroud could be the pick at four, but let's just say, you know, 80% chance that they have some combination of Gardner Minshew with either Levis or Richardson to start at QB next year. What do you guys think? I guess starting with you, Davis, are you worried about Pittman just because of like the offensive environment with one of those sort of poor throwing quarterbacks uh, in Levis or Richardson going there? Or do you think Pittman's talent could sort of help him, you know, rise above at that price? I don't know if Pittman is even that good, but honestly, yeah, it just, it just sort of feels like, I don't know. I've never been that enthusiastic about him to begin with, I guess. Um, Although he has so little competition in terms of like other good players on his team, you know, it's all just the Colts are such a, an Island of misfit toys, you know, <laughs> Alec Pierce and, and I, I mean, how many uh, spark interesting day three wide receivers have they had over the years, you know, uh, Ashton Doolin and um, uh, DeMichael Harris and, 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 and then all the tight ends, you know, Grants, like Kylan Granson and Jelani Woods uh, are, are just like the same person, you know, to me. Uh, they just I knew NFL, been... I knew if NFL all day wasn't going to work when they gave me an Ashton Doolin moment. I was like, I think this thing might be done. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, they just, they just have, uh, they just have no target earners. So this actually does feel like I don't love Pittman, but this does feel like a spot where taking Pittman and Levis or Pittman and Richardson together actually makes a good bit of sense. Pat, what are your thoughts on, on Pittman? Yeah, I don't love Pittman. I, I think they're very similar to Davis's. I mean, he could be kind of like, you know, one of the things with a, a rookie quarterback who, you know, has some holes in his game um, is that they may lock on to the one guy they trust. You know, we've seen that. And like Cam Newton, when he came in, Steve Smith ended up being like this huge league winner because Cam Newton just like locked into Steve Smith and it worked pretty well. So I don't mind Pittman if you, you know, think that Richardson's going to be there. Richardson sucks like real bad at hitting throws underneath, but Pittman's more of an intermediate and downfield guy. I think he could maybe even be more of a downfield guy if he had a quarterback who could throw downfield. You know, he's been like Matt Ryan thrown in the ball. (laughs) Yeah. So like you look at like what he it's like, what does Pittman do? It's like, well, he kind of he has like a 10 eight out or whatever. It's like, well, he he probably wouldn't if Anthony Richardson was a quarterback and he's the clear top target with the wide receiver core that they currently have. So, yeah, I don't mind him as a 
you know, you kind of scoop the value as he falls. I don't think I'll have a ton of him this year, which makes me like maybe even more inclined to just grab him now. Uh, cause, cause I'm not super high on the talent, but I don't, or I don't know, maybe that's the wrong way to think about it because maybe people will freak out if they do draft Richardson and I, I don't care that much. Um, yeah. I, I think it's yeah. a weird combo where like people will see Richardson as bad for Pittman, but just having the certainty of like knowing which quarterback he's playing with, like could just like boost his price a little bit. I think the guys mm-hmm. where you don't know who their quarterbacks are, I think are just like artificially a little cheaper. Cause people are like, who do I stack Pittman with? Like, I don't know. I'm going to grab the guy who I know I'm stacking with and just sort of let him slide a little. So I think he, his price is unlikely to change a lot post-draft. I could be wrong about that. And, you know, to give a little bit of the pro Pittman case, I think there's like kind of two options for him. Like he, he kind of profiles as a guy who's either been like the best of bad options on teams and been kind of inefficient, or he profiles as a guy who could be really good, but his quarterback play has just really held him back from being efficient. And I think there's arguments on both sides of the coin there. I know like reception perception, Matt Harmon to reference that again. Uh, he charted him in 2021 as having really high success rates for zone and man. And man, Pittman's just played with some real, real trashy quarterback. So like I'm willing to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt on the yards per route run and some of the efficiency stuff and say, hey, if he did have a good quarterback, I think there's more potential there. He's earning like, you know, 22% targets per route run. Like that's a pretty good rate. But like, again, I don't think the situation at quarterback is getting better, unfortunately. So like, it might get more fun. It might get more fun. Yeah, it could get more fun. It could be, you know, on the whole, not better, but like better in ways that are good for Pittman potentially. Um, So yeah, I think like like, better in ways like produce the occasional spike week, you know? Yeah. Like some weeks he has two targets. Some weeks he scores two touchdowns, you know, you could, you could see it that, uh, that way. Yeah. So I think overall, I'm like slightly bullish on Pittman, but I'll probably be pretty close to at, at market with him and definitely fun to, to stack them up with Richardson or whoever it ends up being there. Isn't, isn't probably the Richardson stack just going to be whichever one of the tight ends like randomly runs into seven touchdowns and two of those touchdowns <laughs> happen in week 17. I have a lot of Richardson Jelani Woods. <laughs> I got so much of that too. I was, Come I, on, was Chris looking, Ballard. <laughs> I was looking at I was looking at dynasty rankings earlier today, and Amico has Jelani Woods ahead of George Kittle in Dynasty, which just felt really optimistic. <laughs> Come on, man. That seems insanely optimistic. Given, given you know it's gonna happen. The Colts are. are gonna draft like Luke Musgrave, and it's gonna be a three-man tight end rotation with Musgrave, Jelani Woods, Mo Ali Cox, and they're all gonna play 30% snaps. It's, it's yeah, well, I mean I'll, that here's is what I'll say. That, yeah. Steichen doesn't do that though. Steichen he he rolled out Dallas Goddard. I think it's, I think it is, I think it is simply endemic. I think it is simply endemic to that building. And that's just in the water in Indianapolis. I don't, something in the water there. (laughs) Like, I don't, also, also, honestly, I think it would be irresponsible to look at their tight end depth chart and be like, yeah, one of these dudes should, should be Dallas Goddard. Like, Granson and Woods are both sort of unknown. Isn't there another guy? There's another guy, right? Mo Ali Cox. Uh, Jack Doyle retired. Yeah. Yeah. Mo Ali Cox. I don't know. I don't know how. Yeah, I mean, look, and and uh, Farrell Brown is our generation's uh, Moali Cox. So he is. That's the thing. So I think it would be honestly. I think it would be a sign of maybe not being that good of a coach to be like, yeah, Jelani Woods, you're going to play eighty percent of the time when they have these guys who are all sort of equally capable. Well, the issue with tight end is that like Dallas Goddard 
wasn't Dallas Goddard for like his first two or three years, right? Like it takes right. a while. So I think even if Jelani Woods turns into a superstar, it's probably not this year, but he's a large man who might catch touchdowns, which is why yeah, he's a fun, him. like, like, you know, the fucking like Shane Zilstra stat line from last year, like three catches, 27 yards and three touchdowns for the lions. Like, you know, I don't think it's crazy that Mo Alley could stumble into some random two touchdown games down the stretch and be a fun, you know, if you take care of tight end with, Two catches, 20 yards, and two touchdowns. That can be actually a pretty Here's the other thing. score tight end. Everyone is talking about how inaccurate Anthony Richardson is. And guess what? They're right. He's super inaccurate. But you know what's easier to hit? The largest man on the football field. So, <laughs> so you know, maybe uh, maybe we get Jelani Woods. Jelani I, Woods have, you guys, have you guys loved these these Anthony Richardson stands who keep passing around the 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 stat that he had the most dropped passes of any quarterback in the class you know it's just it's like guys we get the anthony richardson thing like you like once you've made the sale stop sell, uh stop selling you know like anthony richardson is not going to come in the league and can be completing 63 percent of his passes and be no. like hitting dimes to you know it, like yeah let's just let him be who he is let him be who he is he'll he, he's gonna figure it out or or not uh, yeah but i think i want to rerun the the simulation of florida and and put anthony richardson with kyle pitts and Kadarius tony uh two years ago and and, and see what happens with that that would, and that damian, would be super and, interesting. And, and damian pierce and damian pierce that would i mean they were, all, they were all they were all teammates and the coach said yeah. we want to use emory jones <laughs> yeah i just think i think the richardson thing is like philosophical like if Zach Wilson was 240 pounds and ran like Derrick Henry, would you like him or not? And I would like him. I would, I would. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I would. I would still be even after seeing what Zach Wilson had done in the NFL already. If Zach Wilson and Anthony Richardson body swapped today, <laughs> yeah. I would. No, I, I actually like the idea of Zach Wilson just coming in incredibly yoked. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit, dude! Like, like if they, if like if these, if they, if they like mind melded or like, uh, you know, uh, what would it? Star Trek is the one where they, where they. I don't know. I'm not a Star oh, Trek guy. But if they just swapped brains, right? I would be in on Anthony Richardson at, at, with Zach Wilson. You'd be in on Zach Wilson's brain and Anthony Richardson's body is what you're saying. Yes. And just say like, he'll figure it out. Maybe who planted yeah. the, um, you know, Anthony Richardson is Derrick Henry with a cannon arm, uh, comp. Cause Kyle that's Devorchick been, an, gets that's been that. an earworm that I haven't been able to, to yeah. get out of my brain. When I'm he drafting. has last toys cannons on his back is the Kyle Dvorak, uh quote is Derrick Henry <laughs> with last toys cannons on his back. That's really uh, strong. Yeah, I mean, he's I mean, he bigger, literally he's like bigger than Henry and ran faster. Am I right about that? Or at least it's I very think close. he ran faster. Like he he is like legitimately more athletic and as big as Derrick Henry. It's also like the other comp is like seems good. He's he's like Lamar Jackson speed, but forty pounds heavier. That's yeah, another one that's just like fuck. That's scary. And the other thing is like he didn't run I think as much as Florida as he might in the NFL. So you're going, you know, I think there's like untapped kind of upside slash just a higher floor for what he can do as a rookie because he's just going to run a ton we're yeah. playing a game guys we don't need him like you're not an nfl gm it doesn't matter do, like you do not tell that to people on twitter dude do not tell them that they are not they NFL hate, they hate hearing it but they, look you're not an NFL GM. <laughs> oh god they like he's not it. like okay if he could just complete this like second and three there would have been so much yards after catch on that play like yeah there would have and he can't do it but you know what he can do? Score a bunch of fantasy points because our game is designed a certain way. Yeah. I'm going to, before we move on to the rookies, I'm just going to take one, one last uh, swipe at a player while he's down in this chart. Guys, 
Wandale Robinson, you know, slot only player on the Giants coming off a torn ACL. He's gonna ball. Just don't. So here's I'm not trash. So we were on ship chasing, and I think I think Gretch was talking us into maybe Gretch and Pete, but I forgot that he tore his ACL in like November. Dude, yeah, it's uh, yeah, like the no I'm, I'm okay that. with betting on him like in two years, but I'm like, dude, slot only player coming off torn ACL. What could they signed you, Paris you... Campbell? They signed. Uh, they still have Sterling Shepard, and they signed who else? Are they oh, James Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton. They got a bunch of dudes. But like Crowder and and Campbell are like slot only players. Like they legit yes. are slot only. Like you don't sign those guys if you think Wanda. Uh, do you want? Do you want me? Do you want me yeah. to give? Do you want me to give the bullish take? Yes. They think Wandale's so good that they want to leave his role in the offense intact, but they're not sure when he's going to be ready. So they signed two guys to keep that seat warm for him, keep the offense functioning. And then when Wandale's back, he will be restored to his throne. But what they need to do is figure out a way to mind meld Jamison Crowder and Paris Campbell into one player, not, not swap. We need, this is a different technology than we're doing with uh, Zach Wilson and Anthony Richardson. We need to combine them because then they would actually be somewhat similar to Wandale's skill set. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm not. I'm not touching one though. I don't see the point. But whatever. I don't really draft him either. Yeah. I don't. I don't think I'm that interested in him in best ball. But if you could just be getting him for free in dynasty leagues right now, sure. like if people are sure. just giving up on him, I would be. I like that. It's also one of those players that like PPR versus half PPR. I think you actually have to make a massive distinction between. To be honest, like he he was running only slot and getting like screen. breaking breaking news. Breaking news. Justin Watson just re-signed a two-year deal with the Kansas City Chiefs for up to $6 million, $1.4 million guaranteed. Oh, wow. that's going to be bigger than the Richie James contract. I'm quite confident. That is, I, that is for sure bigger than the Richie James contract. Um, all right. So forget every we'll, – we'll delete the Richie James portion <laughs> of the podcast and um, we'll, we'll have some, some Justin Ross tweets to delete. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's talk running backs. I did on, on this chart, uh, rookie running backs – Again, we're looking at the consensus big board rankings from NFL mock draft database and looking at underdog ADP and just trying to say, hey, which guys maybe have more projected draft capital versus ADP, which guys look overvalued. The one, so Abanacanda, again, I wouldn't take this chart as like gospel. Like Abanacanda shows up here as relatively overvalued. I'm actually not worried about that. My big takeaway with Abanacanda this week is that he went from like 200 in the NFL mock draft database rankings to like 100. So he's he's gaining a lot of steam um, on like mock drafts, which I think is a pretty good signal for how the NFL is viewing him. And I think there was just a bit of a lag there from his pro day uh, to to sort of see that show up in the data. So yeah, th- this data point actually made me a lot more excited about Abanacanda and also guys like uh, Bigsby, Roshan Johnson. We're sort of and even um, your guy Deuce Deuce McBride, Dwayne McBride. Um, Dwayne McBride. He's He's kind of showing up uh, pretty strong in this chart as well. So it, it's kind of just, yeah, confirmation bias for me. Um, some of these guys I was taking, they're starting to get more of the draft capital uh, projection, which is exciting. And uh, Dane Brugler puts out his draft guide uh, on The Athletic, which is like just incredible. And he gave Abanacanda a third to fourth round grade, which I think it's great. made me feel better. Uh, he has him ahead of Zach Evans. Um he actually has him behind Kendry Miller and Roshan Johnson, so and Tank Bigsby. So reasons to to keep spreading it out among that group. But um, yeah, I mean, if he gets that third round draft capital, it'll be it'll be big. What did he say on McBride? If you have it up, uh, where did he have McBride? 
McBride, he has at 13th is a fourth round grade. Okay. Yeah. Still seems still seems pretty. I solid think McBride grade. is a day three guy, but yeah, like part of it with McBride is that his weaknesses are real. He doesn't catch passes. He caught five career passes. So it's like I'm okay. I'm more okay with him in a sense being a day three guy because like he is going to be more limited in terms of what he can contribute to an NFL team, but he's a super elusive runner. If he's not super, super slow, which we need confirmation of, but as long as he's like fast enough, like four, six, five ish, then I think he can be the type of day three guy that emerges as like a, a two down part of a committee. And yeah. and look in the 20th round, that could be a win. I've compared him to, to rookie Gus Edwards is basically what you're hoping he is. There's some landing spots there where, where a two down grinder, uh, big body guy could definitely uh, pay off. Um, at wide receiver, um, the one thing I'll say here, my takeaway from this week is Cedric Tillman is slightly separating amongst sort of like the tier three. There, there is lots of, lots of, uh, chatter on him. And I think it is exclusively related to the fact that he's the only one who's normal adult size. I just think, I think NFL evaluators have looked at this class and they've said, we would like someone who uh, would not get their every shot blocked in an NBA game. Like, can we find one guy who could <laughs> sub into an NBA game and not just immediately get his shit swatted? That is actually a new uh, event they're doing at the combine next year is uh, just plugging a guy into an uh, NBA pickup game and, and seeing what happens. But uh, Tillman. Yeah. I, I, I want to see exactly Anthony Richardson play some NBA pickup. I think he could hang. <laughs> um. Cool. Let's let's talk. Let's move on here. Unless anyone, any uh, Mingo any is other... the other guy I've seen some Mingo is some rising on little, recently. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's the exact same thing. Mingo is also very large, and so I think one of these guys will probably get drafted higher than he should. Uh, so I think Mingo, you could kind of take. I don't. I'm not really going there in best ball because I don't think he's very good, but. Uh, if you're like taking Cedric Tillman a lot in the last rounds, maybe throw in a Mingo from time to time. Yeah. The other guy I've seen a little bit is A.T. Perry, which I think is on the same lines of what we're saying. He's six, he's, three and a half. He's just adult sized. He's adult. He's <laughs> also adult sized. He's a little uh, thinner. Though. He's not as uh, thick. Like, no. Like he's around Yeah. Six, three and a half, 198, I think was his combine. But he's pretty more good of a speed. Quentin Johnston. He's like arbitrage Quentin, Quentin Johnson. He's good yards after catch, but not very good contested catch guy. So he's kind of like the big yak. He's like a big yak Brandon Ayuki type of dude. Not a, not a, you know, X, you know, not, not giant Michael Gallup. Tillman's giant sure. Michael Gallup. Interesting. Okay. Let's talk um, some stack stuff. I did. So um, the, my takeaway from this chart, again, we're looking at double stack average ADPs and this is in Superflex. So this, this changes a bit. Um, obviously, those purple bars, which represent the quarterback, those have all jumped way up from when we used to look at this chart. So it does change the prices around pretty meaningfully, um, you know, essentially because, you know, Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, even though they're way different values in one quarterback leagues, in Superflex, they're only taking 12 picks apart. So it changes the math here. Um, anyways, the one that jumped out to me here was the Jets. And again, like, I'm not sure how much I believe this, but in, in betting markets on DraftKings right now, they have a 5% chance of winning the Super Bowl. They're only behind a handful of teams, like the ones you'd expect, Chiefs, Eagles, Bills, Bengals, etc. 
they got pretty good odds to win the Super Bowl. And like people have not really bought into this Rogers signing in the sense that they're they don't care. They're basically saying, Hey, I want Garrett Wilson and I and I want Aaron Rodgers, and I do not care about any other player on the Jets. And I think that like guys like Lazard, hey, we don't love Lazard's talent. I feel quite confident he's going to be playing in two wide receiver sets. And Aaron Rodgers loves him. He's going to go to him in the red zone. He's super cheap. Tyler Conklin had a pretty good year last year with, you know, Zach Wilson and Mike White at quarterback. He's dirt cheap. Whoever else you want to throw on there. I kind of like the Jets stack for some of the tertiary guys. And if we believe, you know, that 5% odds of winning the Super Bowl, they should have a good offense this year. And I'm not really sure why people are just ignoring the entirety of the offense besides Wilson. But Pat, what do you, what do you think about the the Jets, particularly sort of the the tertiary secondary pieces on that offense? Well, I do think that your part of it is that there's some uncertainty about kind of what's going to happen with like who those pass catchers are. Like Corey Davis is still there, but it seems very likely to be cut. Um, which I think makes it a little, but it still makes it like a little hard. Because what if he's not cut? Like, is has has is, Mercedes Lewis signed yet? Oh God. Um, but I actually do think the tight the tight end part of it is I I don't really agree with the Conklin part. Like, it's a deep tight end class. This is one of these spots I think where a tight end could go because we all okay. are we have our spots where we want tight ends to go right. That's not going to happen. We're going to get sure. like two of the five, you know, we're gonna be like, why didn't you take it? It's like the Packers two years ago when they didn't take a wide receiver, you know, everyone mocked them a wide receiver and then they just don't do it. NFL teams don't cooperate like that all the time. So I think the jets might be one where they take a tight end. We didn't really want them to. Um, and it actually does make quite a bit of sense. They use the tight end in that system. So I don't, I, yeah, the Conca part, not as much. I do think Lazard as much. As I hate to say it is pretty sharp pick. I mean, he's yeah. definitely gonna be out there um, and he's not that expensive. And, if you're taking him, you're, I mean, please don't take naked Lazard, you know, but take him as a correlation piece. I, I like yeah. that. And then I don't Michael think it's Hardman, that. Yeah. Go ahead. Michael Hardman's a, a pretty solid pick as well. I, I mean, literally I, forgot he was still on the team. Yeah. he. It, so did everybody else. Uh, and I do think Corey Davis is going to get cut. So at that point, Nicole looks like he's got to run a, he got to run a fair amount of routes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy, but Alan Lazard got the most guaranteed money of any wide receiver this this offseason. I just think he's like, Wind I think horse. you can lo- you can Wind, lock him in to two. Wind, like, I'm not saying he's guaranteed to have a good year, but if Rodgers is on the team, which is like if you're building a jet stack, I mean, please don't take Zach Wilson. It's it's going to be with Baron Rodgers. Like, put Alan Lazard into two wide receiver sets in in pen, like. They're not not playing him in two wide receiver sets. He's priced around guys that I think it's pretty questionable if they're playing in two wide receiver sets. Zay Jones is the clear wide receiver three on his team. Donovan People Jones, probably a three behind Elijah Moore. Maybe you could argue that one. Tyler Boyd, clearly a three on his team. Then it's guys like that you hate, Adam Thielen, like, you know, Josh Palmer, clearly a number three. Like Lazard is a clear number two oh, being priced around. Four being priced around gross wide receivers or guys that are very clearly the number three on their team. So I actually think the Lazard pick naked at his price, like 153, I think it's like one of the one of the better picks out there, even without Roger Stacks. Yeah, and the, and to your point about like the the certainty of the contract and everything, he also goes into the draft where you don't have that much risk. Like a, a Palmer, you know, if they draft somebody, Palmer has nothing talent wise that makes us confident he's going to hold that job 
they draft really anybody on day one or two. I'm like, okay, you know, Palmer is where he should be, which is a number four wide receiver. And then, you know, you think about guys like, I don't know, like even like KJ Osborne, like he's the number three target on his team. He's the number two wide receiver, but the number three target, that could change, you know? So Lazard is actually like a pretty safe bet. And if you're just trying to like stack some, some single, if you're just trying to hit some singles in those rounds, to help fill out your wide receiver room, which is, I think, a reasonable thing to do. And if you're correlating it and actually it becomes a single that turns into a home run because he scores, you know, touchdowns in the right week for you in the playoffs. I, it, I Yeah, it's a good bet. I, I, I hate it, man, but it's a it's yeah, pretty good bet. It sucks. But like, again, to the touchdowns point, uh, I think Lazard's just a pretty good last couple of years. He's been a pretty good bet for touchdowns when they get in the red zone. Eight touchdowns in 2021, six last year. He was he was injured for a stretch of that. So Al Lazard um, sucks. He's he Here, sucks, but getting a guy who's locked into two wide receiver sets at his price is just like something yeah. you can't really find. Wide wide receiver thirst has has gotten out of control. The other thing that about Lazard is that he actually is good at blocking. Yeah. Very good. And the Jets care about blocking. That's why we didn't see Elijah Moore out there a ton. They had to have Corey Davis out there and thank Thank goodness uh, Garrett Wilson was good enough. But that's something they care about. He, they also play him in line, or they did in Green Bay. They play him in line some. So, like, you know, maybe they, they're they using, like, a three-wide receiver set at time that essentially has Lazard kind of being, like, a glorified tight end. But, like, okay, sure. You know, yeah. like, I, I'm still – it still gives me some touchdown upside. Um, and I think he's just going to be out there a lot. And he does something not just that, for whatever reason, you know, Aaron Rodgers loves him. But I actually think he he does have the blocking skill set that the Jets are looking for, which should help him too. Yeah. He also last year, just giving some of his like peripheral stats, 20% targets per route run. Like that's not elite, but it's it's solid. 1.6 yards per route run. Again, solid, capable NFL wide receiver. You know, he's a professional, he's, just, he's a professional wide receiver. Yeah, he, he's gonna be playing. And like what's really changed from last year when he was going last year when he was going in the seventh, I was like disgusted at the price, or maybe it was eighth or something. Like, no, he got expensive, and some people yeah, were stupid. all in. People and were like, "This, yeah, this is Devonte Adams." That was dumb. But like, what has really changed now, such that he should be going in like the fourteenth? I'm like, nothing. But this really is changed. this is the, you know, we we're gonna spend the next four months talking about who the next uh, Josh Jacobs is, right? And there probably won't be sure. another Josh Jacobs. But like, the lesson of Josh Jacobs, partially, is. When a guy drops a ton in his draft capital, you know, then the bet changes. <laughs> the bet, like it's it's an obvious point, but like the bet has changed a lot on Alan yeah. Lazard, even though the player hasn't. So, yeah, he's, yeah, I think he's a good pick. I think the the level of win that you're looking at here with Lazard is like Zay Jones from last year. Zay, Zay was a little bit cheaper; he was more like 18th round. Um, but Zay Jones last year, 120 targets, 800 yards, five touchdowns, a couple big spike weeks. Like if you get that at pick 160 or whatever, that's like an awesome, awesome win in that range. So that's the only point there. I'm not saying Lazard has this massive upside, but like he's got the 800 yard, eight touchdown upside um, for sure. Um, all right. Oh, we're five months away from the season. I underestimated by a whole month. <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> Love it. Cool. Well, let's um again our little best value game. 
has been kind of thrown off. Um, let, let's do it anyways. We won't we won't track these because it's like all fucked up with the Superflex data. I don't think we're going to get August Superflex ADP data to really like see this through, but let's do it anyways. Let's just do this to, to benefit the people um, who are drafting right now in Superflex. Um, anyone want to start with their I'll start. favorite player in Superflex right now? I'll start. Jacoby Brissett. Buzz builds in August that he's the week one starter. And oh, baby. Oh, baby. My portfolio looks pretty good. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, a good one. I, I don't I don't disagree in any way. I will I'll give a fake one. Uh, so I'll say that Malik Willis should get drafted in some of these. Uh, if either starting for the Titans, being on the 49ers roster, or as the handcuffed Ryan Tannehill after the Titans start the season season one and five because they have no talented players. Mm-hmm. Uh, my actual one is Corderell Patterson. Again, referring back to the research I was doing yesterday. Uh, I just don't really think there's any reason to believe that Tyler Algier is just going to get 20 touches a game. And we sort of remember Patterson being disappointing last season. And he is, I mean, he is 32 years old, uh, worth noting all time freak, like all time athletic freak. He still had 800 yards and eight touchdowns last year. Like, it's not like, I don't, I don't think he's like going to like, you know, just fade into oblivion in this offense, especially because I don't know, they might be kind of fun, right? They like Pitts and London and I don't, you know, I don't know, but he's running back 56. That is quite, I don't know if, I don't know if he should be running back 56 and Algier should be, what running back 23 or whatever yeah. like that that feels like a huge discrepancy get them Tannehill or get them Lance get, get them something I mean it, yeah even Ryan Tannehill turns them into like I'd probably pick them to win the division yeah yeah they'd be they I actually think they would be fun if they just had Tannehill we saw the Titans be fun with Tannehill I guarantee you know that was five years of Tannehill ago but still I like the Patterson one like you said like I, I feel like my memory is that he sucked last year, but yeah, I was looking at those box scores too. And he was, he was good. Particularly at the beginning of the year was obviously sort of like front weighted. Um, but the yeah, production, that, He's, that is the thing is a 32 year old running back. You are probably thinking yeah. the production is going to be front weighted, but it's such a, a good rookie class that you do need some of those guys. So I've That's thought true. about taking That's Patterson. True. I, I haven't really taken him, but I've thought about it uh, several times and I probably should have been taking him. Yeah. What can you do? Okay. Um, I like the, I like both those. Um, the one I'll do uh, is Alec Pierce, and it's somewhat similar to the Lazard argument in some ways, um, but different in others. I'll start with sort of the, the two wide receiver set argument. Pierce, um, he, he's not a slot-only player. He, he can play on the outside. We saw him do that last year. And I think it's pretty likely he's locked into two wide receiver sets next year. Not quite as confident as Lazard because the Colts could draft someone. It's not impossible, but I think quite likely, like I'd put it at 80% odds he's in two wide receiver sets because like the only guy that can really, I mean, there's not many guys in this draft class that can play in two wide receiver sets to start with. So Pierce, a second round draft capital guy, I think he's pretty locked into that. And then if you look at some of his numbers from last year, and I know, um, JJ Zacharyson has talked about this on his pods. You know, he kind of pops as a guy who had a solid uh, rookie year, not a great one, but some of the underlying stuff with him is like decent. Um, and the numbers I look at, 
if you look at sort of PPR points per game, yards per game, yards per route run, targets per route run, all of that stuff, he kind of shows up as like having a 65th, 70th percentile-ish uh, rookie year in the stuff I'm looking at. And I think JJ is pretty high on him on his in his year two model. So, you know, I think he's a guy that's got a little bit of that year two breakout potential that people are just kind of um, ignoring because he didn't really like pop in a huge way his rookie year. I and mean, we had so many guys that did. So people are forgetting about him a little bit. But um, yeah, I've been pretty heavy on Pierce. I think he's like one of my highest exposure players. Uh, again, offensive situation is likely not going to be great, but you're just getting a guy who's locked into wide receiver sets. Good rookie year. He's young. He's athletic, had high draft capital. It's just sort of the archetype bet that I think makes a lot of sense at like pick 170 or whatever of ADP um, that that I'm taking quite a lot of. I like him. Yeah, he's he pops for me in some stuff, too. Um, you know, he just got out there and he wasn't terrible and he has good draft capital and he's fast. So, you know, it's not like the most exciting bet of all time, but like there's he's priced well for that. So I, I, I take him as well. No, no, no disagreements. Awesome. Yeah. Not, not, need... not, not a situation to get like real jazzed up about, but not like. It's not an Sam Adam has a type. It's, Sam has a it's type. Not, it's, well, it's not the Adam Thielen recommendation. You know, it's not It's not coming in recommending. Like, if, dude, if Adam Thielen. <laughs> yeah, he just loves it. loves a little, the solid little. Hey, the, the, I'm funny, just saying, the funny thing is that Lazard used to be a sexy guy. When he, like, coming out of Iowa State, he was, like, big and strong and fast. And, yeah, you know, true. that's just what. Just what happens to these guys, you know, you turn 26 years old and the fucking virgins are like, nope, not into that anymore. <laughs> it's so true. UDFA, right? Wasn't he UDFA? Yes. Yeah. Lazard? And he was on the practice squad for two so. years. His career yeah, think- has been an, an insane win. Like yeah. just yeah. an absolute, one of the most impressive outcomes that he could have had. Yeah, and then not, you have like. Not drafted. Not drafted. Yeah. He's like a Walmart brand Adam Thielen's career. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and, also and we sit here and go, meh, not not good. Adam <laughs> I don't mean, career, it's, yeah, it's, it's it's really. He was, I think, UDFA like basically came to like. I'm gonna box the details on the full story, but like kind of just came to a tryout for the Vikings, like of a bunch Elon, of. Elon, he he went to yeah. the University of Minnesota State Mankato, and teams do like local tryout type stuff. Yeah. and basically, Thielen came out, and they were like, "What." Like he's like he's just like a, a hometown lad. Yeah, there was a. So I think he was on the combine coverage. I heard him talking, and I think he said like someone showed up that like clearly had never played football at this tryout that got Adam Thielen a, an NFL job. <laughs> <laughs> like there's just some random dude. It's like, like the oh, episode yeah, of uh, of Always Sunny where the the Eagles host yes. the tryouts. <laughs> That's yes. literally what what Adam Thielen got his uh, starting job from. Oh man! All right. Anyways. Uh, yeah, I, I guess final point, like, I do think you can make fun of, like, the, the type of archetypes in that range, but, like, when you're at pick 170 for wide receivers by ADP, like, I do think just the single bets do, like, number one, I think that's a good archetype to go for in that range, and number two, a guy who's just out there running 90% of routes does have weekly upside, even if he's not good at football. So that, that's all I'll say. Especially uh, in best ball. Especially in best ball. Especially in best ball. Yeah, it's a best ball only archetype for me, for sure. Yeah. And we, you know, Leone's been doing this awesome best ball manifesto on established Iran, which is free. You guys should check that out. Um, and he's, you know, one of the things he's noted is that it's so impactful 
if you basically have a full lineup or as close to a full lineup as possible. As we sit here in April, our chances of hitting on these picks are very low, very low compared to August and September, right? A guy like Alan Lazard, sure. I mean, all of these guys can get hurt, but like dudes who definitely have starting jobs are pretty valuable. I think the Alec Pierce one, you know, fits into that archetype as well because it's like guys who project for starting jobs and aren't bad. You know, that's why I give you on, on the Thielen one. I'm like, he's bad. He's not starting by the playoffs. But I think, you know, Alec Pierce will be starting by the playoffs for like if he's healthy for sure. And yeah, I feel the same way about Alan Lazard. Those guys are actually like pretty valuable right now. You're trying, you're trying to not find one of those guys, but find like 18 of those guys. Yep. And it, it gets it gets pretty difficult. And to be clear, the 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 Thielen thing is like partially a bit and also exclusively in CJ Stroud stacks, which I'm going to get completely rugged on. But anyways, like Pierce, I'm taking Pierce over Thielen a hundred out of a hundred times, unless I'm trying to do a stack that's uh, not going <laughs> to. Unless you're trying to stack something that doesn't exist, <laughs> that's not going to happen. <laughs> then I'm then I'm wasting my money. But anyways, yeah, I think like you, you think of guys in that range, like Rashid Shahid, like you can dream big. Had the you know, top five yards per route run of any rookie with over 30 targets in the last 10 years. Like you can dream big, but Hey man, like he's probably not going to be on the field like that. Like, you know, yeah. or if he is, he's going to be in throughout like Alave. Alave is obviously playing. Michael Thomas is going to be playing. They could draft someone. He's like got no draft capital, no commitment to him. He could just be absolute zeros down the stretch. And like those type of guys, like sure. If Shahid is going like 30 picks later, I'm okay with a flyer on him. But like, I think you got to be a little careful of just like seeing all the upside in those picks. Cause if those guys really did have upside, they'd be going higher. Like it's, this just, is also the draft, like your right thing to me, which I disagree with people a little bit on like how to implement that philosophy. But if you're right, if it's round 15 and you, you, you already have been right, you've drafted a sick team. Then like, what do you need out of that pick going forward? Like you need a guy who's going to, you know, basically be starting and giving you a chance of a, a spike week in the playoffs. Cause you're probably already making the playoffs. So it's like, who's going to help me. And at that point I'm like, I would like it's April. I would like a guy who has a job. First of all, I would like a guy who's not going to maybe have a 30% route rate. Like Shahid might, you yeah. know? So it actually becomes, if you've, if you're right to that point, it's okay. I think to like swing for an occasional single as we try to fill in a lineup, that's going to have like 18 viable spots when we hit the fantasy playoffs. It's also why I dropped a lot of rookies. Cause I think, Hey, I've already made a lot of hits. I need guys who are going to be coming on for me at the end of the season and heading into the playoffs. I've got a lot of viable spots. So it's not just old, boring veterans, but I, I think that archetype yeah. actually has some juice. Um, if you think like I've already just crushed it with my early part of my draft, what do I need now? Yep. I think that's a great point. Well said. Anyways, let's, let's land the plan here, land the plane here. Um, Davis, I know you've been doing interesting work with your uh, newsletter, um, especially on the the late day three running backs. Anything else uh, in the works you wanted to talk about? Uh, well, I'm I'm in my very first rookie draft of the year. We do. I'm in this one league with uh, Scott Barrett runs it. Uh, Matthew Barry, Evan Silva, all these all these uh, dudes, all these heavy hitters, and. Um, I'm just going to say if you've got the 109, the 110, the 111, the 112 picks like these and your league mates are maybe not really locked in, they're not really ready for the rookie draft yet, I would start to trade those picks like normal first round picks right now because, uh, you know, 
Jalen Hyatt, Josh Downs, Zay Flowers, Zach Charbonnet, Michael Meyer. These are not really the profile of guys you want to be spending first round picks on. Um, other than Karain, if you're in leagues with me, disregard this entirely and uh, give me Trey Lance. And uh, uh, but yeah, I just the 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 back half. Uh, and and honestly, I I could see this being a scenario where like guys who are going in the second round of rookie drafts end up being like, we look back three years from now, we're like, Dalton Kincaid is TJ Hawkinson now, and he just he was a second-round rookie pick or something like that. Mm. That is going to happen in this class. like there's, And it's going to happen at running back position, and I think it'll happen at the tight end position too. Like There's lots of – we don't know which guys, but they're, they exist, I think, in this class. Awesome. That's not – yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, it seems like the back half of – rookie drafts this year is just weaker than it's been in the past couple of years when we've had really strong uh, wide receiver classes that are sort of rounding out the depth there. Um, Pat, what do you have coming up on legendary upside? I saw some articles coming out on sort of the, the later tiered running backs and wide receivers talking about guys like Dwayne McBride, uh, those types, anything else um, you wanted to, to plug on legendary upside? Yeah. So I, I finished up my running back and wide receiver coverage this week. Um, if you want to check out the Dwayne McBride one, that's up there now. The The entire portion of the article covering McBride is free. Um, I also had a, a free post on uh, basically daring people to snipe my quarterbacks because I think I, I can build out even more correlation if I if I build a team stack that doesn't include a quarterback, um, juice my, my lineups with like three team stacks and two quarterback builds. Um, that was a fun one. I had two podcast episodes this week, uh, Legendary Upside Podcast. You can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. Sean Siegel came on. We talked through the rookie class in depth. He has uh, some interesting takes, including the Izzy Abanacanda one. Uh, and then I had the first mailbag pod that I'm doing. I had Liam uh, Murphy and Kyle Dvorak on. We did you guys get into rugby? Did you, get into you know, rugby I tried. Guys? He didn't. Liam did not take the bait. I said, uh, I, you know, I, I made a mention. I made mention of the fact that they did not ban the rugby play. I was like, Liam, wait, they can just play rugby now. And he <laughs> very maturely just sidestepped that and and moved on. I was a little disappointed. <laughs> Amazing. That's awesome. Well, uh, yeah, check out all of Pat's stuff at Legendary Upside. Check out Davis's stuff at Automatic Absolutes. Awesome newsletter there. And yeah, we'll be back next week. Uh, speaking of Kyle Deporchak, I think he'll be joining us. It'll be me, Davis, and Kyle um, with Pat out next week, shopping it up on some ADP movement. Awesome show, guys. We will see you next week. <laughs>